Well, guys, welcome to our annual movie awards ceremony and our annual deep dive on You Get What You Give by New Radicals. Now, Carly, before we started the show, you said that your favorite lyrics were, and I quote, uh, health insurance, ripoff flying, FDA, big bankers buying. Do you stand by that card? Okay. Uh, Michael, you just purchased at auction for charity the Inside Out Mickey Mouse t-shirt worn in the music video. How are you feeling about that purchase? Uh, I don't regret it yet. It's it's. This is one of those things where I kind of bought it at the last second, sort of sort of impulse buy, the kind of things my significant other hates. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're going to have an argument about it later, but I, th- I think things will, will blow over. What were we talking about? You get what you give, you know? Hmm. Hmm. My name's Tucker, and I don't have any fun story about You Get What You Give by New Radicals. Other than that, I appreciate it as a great song from the 90s. Okay. Um, but we're here to talk about movies, I guess, because I'm not getting a lot of uh, positive feedback on my New Radicals <laughs> bit that I had prepared for the beginning of this podcast. But uh, It's okay. Bummer. I'm glad you're trying to at least pretend we're reviving the 90s. It's back because Batman is here. Prince is dead, but Batman lives. <laughs> oh, that's next year. We're not there yet. We still have to talk about best actor and best scene because we pushed them off because we procrastinated horribly. And we're also going to do our canonical 10 movies of the year discussion. Woo! This is the end of the Sprockies. It's our end of your award ceremony. Woo! Take that, Oscars. Yeah. Tune in at 5.30 in the morning to hear several movies that won't win and one that does. That's very weird. It's fine. That's when everyone's up checking their Twitter, right, guys? <laughs> well, because is it timed for something on, like, the, the West Coast? Because then it would be... Uh, I think it's when Wordle updates for the day. They have to... <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Because that's got to that's be, like, what, one thirty in the morning? In, or I guess, no, 2.30 in the morning in, in Hollywood? It makes it seem weirder. There's a lot of fun stories, though, about like celebrities waking up to calls from their managers being like, yeah, I Oh my God! You didn't win! Yeah. <laughs> Thanks! I like the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Spencer! Anyway. Um, best scene. We're doing it? Yeah, I'm going to maybe limit this to like half an hour per cat so that we have time to do canonical and it doesn't just become like this rushed nightmare that it will be so yeah i would say let's target even lower okay yeah i would too five minutes best scene the nominees are (laughs) um a glitch in the matrix reading letterbox reviews after the movie (laughs) annette opening sequence army of the dead time loop bad trip the diner evangelion the ending get back the rooftop concert Licorice Pizza, The Drive and Post Drive, Malignant Breakout, <laughs> Nomadland, Swanky's Goodbye. I think this might be like the first thing that got written into the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> Passing. Uh, okay, yeah. The first five minutes of the spreadsheet. Pig, the climactic meal. Shiva Baby, girl boss. Shiva Baby, the van. Spencer, beach. Spencer, candles. The Green Knight, giants. The Last Duel, duel. Titan, dancing to future islands. West Side Story, The Dance, West Side Story, The Rumble, Power of the Dog, Dancing, The I wish <laughs> The Lost Daughter phone call. I wish the Oscars were like this where they're just like ending. <laughs> Best part and of the movie. Half of them ending. say dance in it. 
Wait, okay, which which dancing power of the dog are we talking? The uh, the mountain on the mountains yeah, between okay. uh, the married couple. Yeah, and Jesse Plemons' character is like, I'm just happy I'm not a loner. Or... Yes, it's a sweet moment. Okay. It is a sweet okay. moment. Okay, I don't support it. Probably <laughs> top three go. Okay, I would say licorice pizza drive and post drive. Is that two scenes? No. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Um, lost daughter phone call. Okay. Uh, maybe Ty. Oh, oh, uh, Spencer wow. Beecher candles. I can't decide. <laughs> strong contenders all michael your thoughts um so we're just picking three we like or what's the (laughs) this is a long list of scenes okay okay because i have a list a a full list of the ones i liked as opposed to uh, any anyway i won't bore you rapid fire no it's fine Um, it's fine um, just gatling gun it at us gatling gun it okay so the evangelion ending which is sort of this this mo- beautiful moment that sort of wraps up the entirety of this this huge <laughs> franchise and, and and everything and we can go into detail if we want to um the west side story the dance which i don't know how familiar any of you are with with sort of the original west side story none none okay. is this the one in the auditorium though i've heard yes that's it's good. the okay. big huge there's this huge like dance sequence towards like the end of the middle like the end of the, the first third and it's just this moment of like all this really kinetic energy, all this really kinetic choreography. And the choreography is maybe one of the single best things about both the original West Side Story and this West Side Story. And this time around, it feels like it's it's still it it doesn't feel like a, a cover version of that original one. It just it it has its own. It feels like it has its own legs while still being sort of faithful and still just being this crazy, colorful, kinetic moment music's great everything about it's just fantastic um i put nomadland swanky's goodbye on here because it was this just I, for me it was this really beautiful little moment that sort of spoke to a huge part of what i think the movie as a whole was speaking to it's it's where the one character is talking about how she's going to go canoeing and, and see the the swallow nests and after her cancer diagnosis, so she decides rather than go and waste the rest of her life in a hospital, she's just going to go try to have this this final beautiful little end to her life. And then we eventually find out she's passed away from cancer. Um, I also put the malignant breakout sequence on my list because it's insane. I put the green knight, the moment with the giants and the green knight, because that was this jaw dropping like for me, it was just like this huge moment. Like, oh my god! I, I was seeing it in a movie theater, and it was like, oh my god, movies! It just it felt really good. It was like this crazy, kind of eerie moment. Everything kind of felt small, and at the same time, everything felt so Titanic. The way the the these large CGI, unfortunately, or or <laughs> noticeably CGI giants were walking in the distance and just groaning and. And I just really loved that contrast about it. I loved how small it it made Dev Patel's night look and how small it made me feel as a member of the audience as there's also this crazy like camera movement and it, just all about it was really cool. Uh, I put the duel from the last duel on it because I thought it was this crazy cool fight sequence that they really ratcheted up the tension to and really made it feel like it was impactful. Every moment felt impactful because of sort of the stakes they set up. And then I put the the 
da- the power of the dog dancing scene, thinking that's what it what it was, and because I thought it was this really really sweet moment and just really really used the scenery, I think, in a beautiful way. Really played up the two characters in a beautiful way, and and just it was just a nice moment, and I really loved it. That's my list. Can I do can I hit my okay. three a little bit? Yes. Okay, so the three. Licorice Pizza, Drive and Post Drive. This is like a, so the entire movie is like very antic and there's crazy stuff happening constantly and it's Alana Heim and young Philip Seymour Hoffman running around being crazy kids. Uh even though there's like yeah, ten year plus difference between them or something. Um and this scene is like sort of an inflection point where Alana, Alana's character is tasked with doing a very, very dangerous drive that's just staged so, so, so well. And it's so like anxious, but still fun. And it's like a, the post drive is the moment of like a relief for her. And it's also the moment when you get her realizing that she's like stuck in uh prolonged adolescence and like can't be responsible for the lives of all of these children and like <laughs> i don't know, like she's by far the most compelling part of the movie and like without her this movie like absolutely doesn't work and i feel like this is the epitome of that is just like the the scene so well demonstrates where this character is at and i think it's a really interesting journey um and very very fun and cool um spencer beaching candles i don't know these are the two like moments of levity in the movie um i guess i think if i had to choose one it might be candles which is the earlier moment of levity between um princess diana and her children and it's just it's so well lit it's so nice it's just them like playing a little game together and it gives such a strong sense of like the fact that number one, she like truly just wants to have a nice time with her and her children. She like everything else is so extraneous and painful and awful. Um, and she relies on them so much for that. I think like it's such a give and take of like a close bond between a mom and her kids. Um, very, very sweet. And then the last one was Lost Daughter Phone Call. So, like, this movie in general, we talked about it. Talk like it it was sort of so-so for me in certain parts. But this part, which is, like, sort of a thesis of the entire movie, which is, like, uh, being a mom is terrible. And maybe, like, (laughs) there's just, like, it's very, very, very bad for some people. And this scene is... Uh, Jesse Buckley, who plays the younger Olivia Coleman, uh, on the phone with her children. She gets off the phone and she confesses to someone that she hates talking on the phone to her children. And it's like, hmm. we've seen her hate being around her children a bunch, but we haven't heard her verbalize it in this way before. And the other character in the movie responds so poorly to her. And it's like one of those like life inflection points that you can see uh happening before your eyes where it's like maybe if this other person had given her some like room for understanding and like hearing her out things would have turned out differently but she realized that like she just had to shut it all in and deal with the fact that she hated her or hated spending time with her kids in certain ways um and it's like beautifully played out and so anxious and such a good demonstration i think of like 
the ways that we just set uh, parents and moms specifically up to fail and be sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, that's the part in Malignant where they fight. Yeah, the it's good. Okay. <laughs> uh, you guys uh, thought about movies, I guess. I did not. I don't have anything to add to this conversation. Um, the Malignant fight's pretty good. <laughs> it is I really love good. It so much. It's um, pretty good. I also are really we talking? Like, yes. So, really quick. Are we talking? The jail breakout? Are we going the whole cop shop? The whole the chair? Are we cutting this off at the chair? or Are we bringing it to the hospital? We can't. It's got to include chair for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Other than the chair is pretty good. It all kind of blends together in my mind, but definitely there's some stuff in a police station that's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Freaking cartwheels. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. That's the one I feel strongest about. I guess on this list, but. I, I would prefer an actual good scene win. So I don't know. Uh, I think consensus might be a little hard, it seems like. I, do you have any, like, uh, besides Malignant, do you have any others that are they top of mind? kind of crap. Um, I like that scene <laughs> in Spencer a lot. I think it's really strong. <laughs> I really like the beginning of Annette. I think that yeah. was, but it's not, it's barely, it's a music video. It's not movie making. I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to. Like, oh, I was thinking the Adam Driver part. You're talking the intro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Adam Driver part would be a lot harder to defend. I think. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, I like the power of the dog scene as well. It was probably my favorite part of the movie, but I didn't care much for the movie. So take that as you will. Hmm. So I guess my weight would be behind the Spencer scene because I loved it and also Carly liked it. So I guess that would be my... Uh, which, wait, which Spencer scene? Candles, of course. I didn't care much for the beach scene, I guess. I feel, I guess, I don't know. I didn't, I came, I didn't really feel that strongly about Spencer as a whole. And I'm worried I'm projecting Uh-oh. that onto the movie itself. Oh, um, I did like the candle scene as well. I didn't love it, but I liked it. The the soldier Harry or whatever. Yeah, of it's course, so cute. it's really sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I just don't. I didn't really feel that strongly about Spencer altogether. For I don't know. I just had a hard time with sort of the way the whole movie was sequenced and stuff. And it sort of meant some of these more emotional moments didn't pay off quite the way that they might have, or they maybe should have, or maybe I'm just not getting it or something. I don't know. When they uh, do a sequel to the third remake called Spencer three plus one zero time (laughs) over redux, then we can have that conversation, Michael. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh spencerellian harry Potter time no um i really just want to mention that quick because i think it's just one of these these the i don't i don't envision envision any world where we do settle on the the one anime thing on this list but the ending to Evangelion, I thought was just such a life affirming, positive way to end this series that always ended its its iterations in such negative, 
more cynical light. Well, they say that... congratulations. <laughs> yeah, but it also kind of includes the apocalypse, right? Well, sure. It doesn't end the apocalypse and, and stuff. It was always, it, to me, that was a little more like wishy-washy and then end of Evangelion comes around and it is clear that, that the creator's working through some things. And that he, <laughs> sure. Like the answer was always life is life is worth it but is it good or it seemed like and and this the whole of of the third the whole of of uh, um 3.0 of 1.0 plus 3.0 the answer seems to be pretty affirmatively yes to the point that that it literally renounces the almost mm. renounces the series and tells its audience to go get a life go touch grass okay. i can appreciate um, that for sure yeah, it's. I mean, because it cuts away to eventually a live action final shot, but oh. um, uh, it's just sort of this this moment that like life is is like life is is good, life is great. This is what I got out of all of this, and I hope you get all this out of it and and stop like focus on that kind of thing. It just felt really good in a in a really positive in a way that especially felt impactful given how negative everything seems to really be you know like it just it was it was sort of i had the same effect on me as as the end of another round did oh but, uh, just without or the, the jazz lost dancer daughter. right <laughs> the lost um but i guess for for this i think i just i didn't really spencer didn't really I, I it didn't really uh, whatever we'll it was. We'll have that it talk, Michael. Yeah, That's we can have that talk, talk later. I mean, I don't, I don't have a beef with a, with that being sort of what we pick because I, I just I didn't feel as strongly about that as I did like the the dancing scene on the in in Power of the Dog or. or I'd be very happy with the dancing scene, Power of the Dog outcome. I think that scene is like really really wonderful and you super 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 need it for the rest of the movie to make any sense (laughs) that's yeah i guess i just don't want to be the the, i don't want this to be a situation where everyone else agrees that it should be this moment from spencer and i'm like well no wait a minute no 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 no, no. yeah i'm not in that position there's like a like five different things i would be happy with winning on this list it does not need to be spencer candles right okay Um, power of the dog is one of the ones i would probably put up there as one of my my top three i guess i'm gonna just make that green how does that feel to everybody here? <laughs> i like it okay i'm good with it okay power of the dog hey i'm, just I'm not yeah. alone here two oscar nominees oh, okay did you read that there's that little uh uh i think there was an interview with with vanity affair mm-hmm. or something it was really sweet where, yeah, where them she talks about finding out yeah. yeah 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 that was yeah, nice very lovely very good. I'm happy for them. Yes, me too. Earned. Good. Okay. Carly. What's up? It's your time to shine, dude. It's best actor. Oh, no. No, 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 no. There's no, some good no, ones on this no. one. I forgot. No. Oh, no. Okay, Just best sound actor. <laughs> Adam so Driver, Annette, Alana Heim, Licorice Pizza, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, Charlotte Rampling, Benedetta. Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Dev Patel, The Green Knight, Francis McDormand, Nomadland, Han Ri, Minari, Kristen Stewart, Spencer, Melanie Laurent, 
Oxygen. Nice. Very nice. Yes. Mm. Monica Dolan, Days of the Bagnold Summer. Nicholas Cage, Pig. Nina Haas, My Little Sister. Pat Healy, We Need to Do Something. Taylor Page, Zola. Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman. <coughs> Yanya Jun, <laughs> Minari. Isabel Furman, The Novice. <laughs> Done. You did a very good job, Car. Yeah. Melanie the, Laurent. Laurent. <laughs> Can I get Adam Driver again? Adam Driver. Very Annette. good. Annette. Now, like, as a question? Adam Driver. Okay. Annette. One more time as a question? Adam Driver. Annette. Okay, very good. Well, Kalia, <laughs> thank you for coming in. Um, yeah. What are we feeling, guys? I like this list a lot. I think this is very yeah, strong. It's really list. good. Um, I'll open with an Alana Heim thing. I think it is like truly insane that she's not nom- nominated for the Oscar for this. Like I would have been so upset if Case 2 wasn't nominated, but also Alana Heim should have been nominated. Like the more and more I think about that movie, it totally would not work without her. And I don't think there's many people that could replace her. She is so charming and so fun to watch the entire time and so interesting and like there i keep seeing this like meme or tweet or something going around that's like just people in a movie theater smiling up at alana heim whenever she's on screen and truly that was me for like half of this movie i like she's the most charming person in the world it's incredible i i don't know i really really love her in that movie uh Subtext here is, Michael, you haven't seen Licorice Pizza, right? I have not, no. I haven't either. So Carly is just uh, <laughs> screaming I, into the void about the Hames yeah. sisters. I would yeah, be, I, I don't know. This obviously will not win, but I did want to go on note. She is really, 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 really good. This it could movie. win. No. I would be cool with Alana Hyam winning. Uh, <laughs> what are your other two, Car? Case two, of course. Of course, yes. Um, of course, yes. The TLDR there is... I think You're she's like perfect in it. Go out. And <laughs> I think she's perfect in it. And I think this is like the best use of her I've ever seen. Um, it's like the first time I feel like she's really disappeared into a role. Um, but it also takes advantage of all of her mannerisms and her way of speaking and all of this stuff. And it's wrapped up into such a beautiful picture of probably not exactly what Princess Diana was like, but what someone put in this position might be like. Sure. Um Assuming that they're a lovely, beautiful person like this character is. Of course. Yes. Like a good version of, I think, what people think Princess Diana was like. Right. Yeah. And just like yeah. the I, like embodiment of like light and beauty that's just like beaten down again and again and again. Yeah. 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 One more card. Give it to me. Oh, hmm, um, 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 I'll go. And it's either Dev Patel, just because, like, I think he does have a lot to do in that movie, but also, I don't know, he's just great as, like, an action star, sort of, yep. going through mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Like, the mo- another extremely, extremely charming person. Um, and then other one I would call out is probably... Uh, Furman and the novice. Um, mm. We talked about the novice mm-hmm. separately, but she is just a really tough character. Someone who is like 
uh, has traits that are challenging to the audience, um, but in a deeply relatable way. And you're seeing basically like a very, very young woman uh, break down and not have people around her to reshape it. And she does a good job. And she's the orphan. <laughs> you guys are so depressed or something. I don't know. Why something. don't you just like fun things? I like a lot of hype. She made me okay, smile. All right. All right, all right. You're right. I'm so, sorry. Those are my big ones. Okay. Michael, what are you feeling? Okay. Okay. I am also on board with the Dev Patel. Mm-hmm love here because i just thought he was wonderful as this sort of unsure knight slash kind of action anti-hero kind of thing who has to go out and try to the to you know face his own death in a way and just all of that is this really complicated role in a way and i thought he did really really well with it i also really liked kirsten stewart as as uh princess diana and spencer um also to throw this out there, I like Yoon Yo Jung from Minari, Daniel Kalua as Fred Hampton and Judas and the Black Messiah, and I think the big one for me is Nicolas Cage as our our mm-hmm. lost chef in Pig. I totally agree on the Nicolas Cage call. He made that movie. Like that movie yes. wouldn't work in any capacity if it wasn't for Nicolas Cage being that character. So good. So, so good. I think it's a strong movie outside of that, not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's definitely the best part of that film. I mean, honestly, it would be the kind of movie where I would recommend it just to see Nicolas Cage. Yes. Like, I would recommend it because of just to see Nicolas Cage in this role. On a bike. So. Yeah. On a b- <laughs> talking with a kid in a backyard. Yes. Oh, his pig. That's <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of which, powerhouse performances that carry a movie. Charlotte Rampling, dude. Yeah. Yes. Holy cow. Woof. But the titular Benedetta actress is also wonderful. Yes, especially yep. when she's doing devil voice. Yes, love <laughs> devil voice. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, but Charlotte Rampling is incredible. Um, yeah, I thought Andrew Garfield was very strong in Tick Tick Boom. I agree. I liked his performance a lot. Um. Yeah, and I think Nick Cage is my kind of my front runner. I thought he did an awesome job. Uh, Monica Dolan, I th- thought, was incredible as a very specific type of character. But that's mom, right? In yep. Big Old Summer. Okay, yep. yeah, she's really wonderful. Um, I still don't believe this is an actual movie. <laughs> it's a really it's nice so movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's twee, Michael. It's twee. Oh, uh, but sad twee. Sad oh, no. twee. Um, no, 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 no. Not like Zach Braff's ad tweet? Uh, not quite to that level, no. Okay, cool. Not okay. saccharine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carly, okay. I don't think you are convinced about this Nicolas Cage pick. That's what I'm I think. Not, okay, no. very good. I think he's very good in the movie. He's very dirty. I don't like... He just doesn't fit in, you know? <laughs> he spends uh, so much of the movie with actual blood on his face. Just wandering around. I'm having a hard time, I guess, separating him from the movie, and I wasn't the biggest (laughs) fan of the movie. Yeah. And he's the best part of it for sure, but it also just feels like he is just. 
I don't know. Like, it's just, it's flat-ish for me. And I know that's, like, the opposite of the intent. Like, you're watching him deal with some emotions and stuff that uh, he hasn't dealt with before or whatever. But it's just like, oh, he's sad, grumpy chef man. I yeah. don't know. I I I feel like I'm missing something with this movie and it carries over to maybe I'm missing something with the performance. I don't know, Kai. Maybe it's just, <laughs> maybe you just like it or you don't, you know? Yeah. It kind of feels like one of those movies, but that's fine. I think if there. the movie was different, I would like it more. Like, I just, I I know I've harped on this before and I'm sorry for harping on it again, but like, I, I think the other scene in Pig that people are excited about that I don't think we were just referencing, but correct me if I'm wrong, is the... Uh, I think it is the one we were just referencing. Oh, the restaurant one? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that scene at all. And I think I that know. like it breaks down so much for me the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's just like an imagining of what a rough and tumble chef would be like. Yeah. And like what food culture is and like all yeah. of it together. Like I get like... I don't know, nervous or something about it. Like it, it <laughs> sets off some alarm, alarm bells for me, I guess. You're saying Nick Cage should be showing up in a YouTube video being like, yeah, the rugged box, 40 bucks a month. We'll send you a box. It's got a knife in it. It's got bourbon, uh, shot glasses, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Invest in crypto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tobacco and crypto. Yeah. <laughs> I get where you're coming from, Car. Yeah, uh, what's fun is I think there was like there's like a spokesperson for the the Portland chef scene or whatever who oh, took no. a lot of issue with that. <laughs> uh, That's fair, but it's it's like a cheap shot. Like, well, oh, so we're getting away yeah. from like the actor thing, but Car, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I, like I think he was great. Like, I don't want to say he wasn't great in it, but there's just I feel like he was doing. A Nicolas Cage thing in a really great way in a movie that allowed Nicolas Cage to do his thing versus like some of the other performances on here, which feel like transcendent or something. Yeah. Mm. I would argue Nicolas Cage's role was transcendent isn't the word I would maybe use, but it was up. It was strong. Just, I guess. Yeah. But that also hinges on whether or not you could vibe at all with, with, Nicholas Cage's grimy chef man. So I, 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 yeah, yeah, I get it. Is it case two? You know case where two? I'm at, bruv. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, of the ones I think we could agree on, I think case two is the strongest. That sounds about right to me. Yeah. Because uh, I don't have any licorice pizza uh, thoughts. Uh, I thought Dev Patel was fine, but I don't think he... I can't point to a moment in the movie where he like blew me away or like shown as a great actor. I just think it, the whole movie is just this vibe that... Uh, but so is Spencer, and I think Keisu really shines in that movie. So I think there's a difference in the performance. I don't think... I think Deb Patel's a great actor. I just don't think that role gave him that kind of room. I don't know. I like particularly in the opening where, or not the opening, the beginning where it, it, he he frames his his duel with the Green Knight as a as a sort of 
proving myself Theater. to the king kind of thing like yeah like like i'm gonna i'm gonna do this in this this mad this like i'm gonna prove myself me, but also you can tell that he didn't that there's a lot of hesitation there a lot of a lot of anxiety there and i think all of that worked really really well for me and i think that's because of dev same with the sequence at the end where he imagines himself running away from mm-hmm. the uh the green knight and sort of going on to become a king of this like failed kingdom you know yeah like those two moments really stood out to me in part because of dev as this as this character who you know seems kind of uncertain about a lot of what he's doing but is also projecting a lot of like a lot of these dueling emotions. One sec. Michael's turning his head to cough. No Kobe. How's Bruce doing, Car? He's good. Did you hear the Helen news? Yeah, Helen's boy. Helen's a boy, dude. Wild. Who would have thunk it? Helen. So, yeah. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. Okay. When you got <laughs> Helen, a really quick question. When you got Helen, where was was their name Helen? No. Okay. Helen okay. was a surrender. You know, Michael, I'm so glad you asked because I could talk about rabbit testicles for the rest of my life. You see, <laughs> rabbit testicles are on yeah. both sides of the body. The scrot is kind of like split in two and they don't usually Ew. drop until about six months of age. Helen is about five months, we think. So it was impossible to uh, oh, no. gender Helen, as it were. But uh, now we know that Helen is born as a boy, but is just kind of living and we're oh, just going to cool. refer to Helen as a girl from now on. Helen's Nature Helen. Is healing. Thank you for asking, Michael. I was just curious. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I learned something about rabbit Testicles. puberty now. Yes. Rabbit Here, development. Rabbit spayed or neutered. <laughs> Thanks, Bob Barker. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so where are we at? I want to like really quick agree with a point that you made, Michael, which is just in general, like it. I think Dev Patel has to do a million different things in the Green Knight. And like, I I still don't think he's my number one choice, but there's like so much subtlety in all the different places he, have to, he has to go in a movie that's like not all that subtle on purpose. Like uh, he's a doofus, but <laughs> he like does these ex- extremely courageous things and you like believe him in those moments and like... He's wary of people, like all of this different stuff. I think he plays all of it really, really well, even though none, I don't think there is, you know, one specific scene where he stands out. Yeah. Yeah. For what it is worth, I would be totally okay with Kristen Stewart winning this because she absolutely made that movie. Okay, Stu. Okay, so Kristen Stewart, right? Yeah, I'm gonna sounds like we're we're in agreement. Yeah, yeah she's the best. That works okay. for me. Oh, yay, K Stu. Spencer really swept this year, the Sprockies. I love Carly. There's a moment in the first episode of this where I bust out laughing for no reason. It's because of this <laughs> stupid picture of Maybe Michael posted this. I don't know. The guy from Cruella holding the no, dog <laughs> yeah. thing. I think I might have done it when you guys were talking about like animated films or something. Um, if you'll uh, divert your attention down to the bottom of the list below the list of movies we've watched, I'm going to make our canonical list. Hmm. Dum, dum, dum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
when we talk about canon, what do we mean? Hmm. No one knows. This question cannot be answered. There is no definition, I don't think. It's just like whatever we want to be on a list. Well, it's it's like a best of, but it's not uh, (laughs) it's not qualitative in that way. Bad movies make it onto these lists. Yes. Yes. Predominantly. No. But for good, no, but for good reasons. <laughs> right. Because it's not just, you know, because if this was just the best movie, this would be the worst conversation in the entire world because we yeah. get deadlocked on stupid crap. But this allows for... <laughs> we'll still get of, deadlocked on stupid crap. I know, but crap. it's better. It's better. <laughs> okay. You have to believe me. It's better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of into it because, I mean, this is, we're in the, this is the kind of world where Cats appears on a list. Yes. And it makes yeah. sense. Yes. Some amount of sense, yes. Sure. We I've gone back that. to watch Cats since then. Have you? I have. I keep the thinking whole thing? <laughs> All of Cats? Yeah. Oh my god. Even the train yard cat? Ugh. Which one's the train yard? Oh. oh. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so how we're going to do this? <laughs> Magical <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> 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 This is ancient history, you guys. Can we please move on to more recent history? 2021. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to go in a circle and we're going to say a movie. And then I'm going to add that movie to a list. And then we're going to end up with about 30 movies. And then we each get to lock in a movie where we don't have to defend it. <laughs> yes. We just get to put a movie on the list and then we just call it a night and we go home and we have a list of our three canonical movies and uh sleepy time. Okay. Just kidding. We have seven movies slots to fill after that. And that's where we fight about junk. So Carly, what movie would you like to add to this list? Old, old, old Michael. Hmm. West Side Story. West Side Story. Um, I have to hold my pop screen and I'm typing, so I can't hold my pop screen. So there might be some bad audio in this part of the podcast. Sorry, folks. Not like that sterling studio quality audio from the rest of the podcast. I'm going to add dollar headset. <laughs> I'm going to add. Uh, and audacity. Uh, Space Jam 2. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Carly, you're next. Uh, Spency. Okay. Uh, okay. I love the chaos already. Ooh. Michael. Um, the Green Knight. The Green Knight. I'm going to add. Okay. So I'm kind of marking this off as we go. Sorry. The French Dispatch. Ooh. Uh, souvenir part two. Hmm. Okay. Minari. Okay. I'm going to add malignant. It's a chaotic list. It's fine. Licorice za. Licorice za. Nomadland. Nomadland. I'm going to add The Matrix Resurrections. Mm. Resurrection? I don't know. Whatever. Carly! Titan. Can somebody keep track of this? 
as far as when we're done. Sure. Okay. Michael, what what uh make a movie, please? Uh Evangelion 1.0 plus 3.0 colon thrice upon a time. Uh, 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 okay. Did you just um, copy and paste that? No, I typed it. Um oh, get back. Zola. Okay. Oops. Well, I got the anime name. Okay. <laughs> Michael. Uh, the power of the dog. Oops. Okay. I'm going to do all light everywhere. Carla. Um, Benedetta. Do we already have Benedetta? No, ma'am. Benedetta. Shiva baby. Okay. I'll do don't look up. Dear Evan Hansen. Jesus. <laughs> uh, pig. Very good. Um, okay. Uh Card or whoever's check. How many more do we have after I do this one? We'll each have two more. Okay. Um, right? Yeah. Bad trip. Uh, Malcolm and Marie. That is the most chaotic of all. Of these <laughs> yeah. <pictures. laughs> uh, <clears throat> Bo Burnham inside. Jesus, I was hoping we would just forget about that so much, but it's okay. Here we are. Um, I'm gonna do tick tick boom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, let's do Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> you stole my last pick. Ah, uh, days. Hmm. I know. What is it called? Days. D a y s. It's not going to go anywhere. I just kind of want to talk about it quick. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, crypto zoo. Okay. Room for one more. Mm-hmm. One. Two, three, four, five, six. There's an easier way to do this. Yeah. Ten. We're done. That's it. It's locked. It's gone. That's it. Gotcha. (laughs) What's the easier way? We just highlight them and then it tells you the count. But then I would have to divide it. And that's too much, Carly. I didn't go to school (laughs) for this. I was just going to do 158 minus 128. So here's our list of movies. Carly, please pick one movie, and I'll. Here's our uh, su- super serious final list. Okay. Okay. So how does this work? I say it, and then I. <laughs> uh, can we reference? Can we just note the fact that that Tucker is doing this on his spreadsheet, and he wrote "super" with two O's. Super. <laughs> super. No. <laughs> 
Nothing uh, is like more serious more. than the super serious final <laughs> canonical list. I like this one more. Uh, um, do we give our like little diatribe about it while when I nominate it or yeah. no? Okay. So my locked in choice is this is locked in, right? Yep. Okay. My locked in choice is Souvenir Part 2, which I don't know if I gave it love anywhere else, which is my fault and I suck. This movie is so good. (laughs) I was thinking today about 2021 movies and I feel like, honestly, let me float this. Was this year worse somehow than last year? Yes. No. In all I aspects, I think yes. it was like there's. I I had more moments last year where I felt moved by something or felt like something was like exciting and different, and then like there were a couple things this year that did that, but for the most part, no. But aside from one or two other things, souvenir is like the thing that embodied that, which was like this is such a beautiful expansion upon the first part. And does stuff that I haven't seen any other movie do. I haven't seen any filmmaker do, which is Joanna Hogg is making a movie about her own self after uh, the death of a loved one where herself is making a movie about that. Like it's a movie about making a movie and all of it is about her life. And through that, she has to interrogate her own choices and other characters characters are questioning her constantly and pointing out all of the flaws in like her decision making and like how could she you know how could she set herself up for everything that we saw in the first movie um and it's just beautifully crafted beautiful acting it's such a tough subject matter but leaves you feeling so hopeful and nice and so warm compared to the first movie which is just like kind of devastating the entire way through um yeah amazing amazing movie it's really crazy to me that there's a sequel to the souvenir (laughs) (laughs) the title souvenir part two kind of should have been the pick for do we have this title why am i i think it was over i thought it was in that like there's no best title category no (laughs) <laughs> there should be uh, there's only worst oh okay uh can i just point out real quick that dune is not on our list oh i'm okay with this <laughs> okay cool me too just yeah. uh it stood out to me yeah i really regret not being able to see souvenir part two i really like the first one and it's just kind of really cool to me that she's making this because it's a full there's supposed to be a part three i thought like it's a full Whoa. Shebang. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that would be incredible. Um, yeah, I like I rewatched the first part the night before I saw this or saw the second one. And like definitely recommend them as a paired viewing. I think they're like so intricately linked. And mm-hmm. I love the first one, but I love the second one in like an enormous way. Is this the before sunset of the souvenir trilogy 2020 to 2024? Mm-hmm. The second one of the before trilogy is the best one. OK, very good. Huh. You're going to get dragged when spy shots of you with your souvenir part two coffee mug get out onto the internet and people realize <laughs> that you've been bought, dude. Remember when this meant something? <laughs> I ain't 24. <laughs> uh, a very good car. 
Thank you. It looks like, just as a quick thing, it looks like I was wrong about there being a third. There is not. Mm. A, it does not. I thought I'd read somewhere that there might have been more here, but. Mm-hmm. Wait till this podcast I think she's up. making something else soon. Maybe that was it. Maybe. Yeah. Is that like when Ari Aster said he was going to make like an eight hour drama or something like four years ago and then nothing happened? Because, of course, that's not going to happen. I'm I think that eight hour drama. Breath. I think that. <laughs> wait. I'm mixing him up with Eggers. Never mind. Okay. The Haunting of Hill House was someone else. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I thought the eight-hour drama was the Viking thing. Uh, okay. No, I'm mixing him up with that. That only feels yeah. like it's eight hours long, Michael. <laughs> what, uh, Michael, what movie would you like to add to this list? I'm going to throw on Evangelion 1.0 plus Do 3.0, it. Thrice Anime. Upon a Time. Uh dedicating this to luke back home you know who you are um but actually it's just i think it's insane well it's not it's not crazy to me that there was a attempt to try to remake the evangelion series because it's such a big franchise in japan at least and also sort of here if you're in that like that that if you're in the anime crowd and stuff like that but (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's crazy to me then that this goes on to become like the series as a whole ends up becoming a totally new adaptation. It's not just a, a we're redoing this with CGI and, and a budget. It's it's we're doing something totally new with this. That it ends up becoming sort of retconning the other ones in a way so that this all becomes sort of a cyclical thing and this is the next cycle of it and this is also the closing cycle of it. We're we're wrapping up Evangelion with this huge movie with all these crazy lore dumps about the four horsemen being spaceships and and (laughs) giant like weird surreal apocalyptic abysses and things and this crazy like sort of we're taking the third impact but what if we had a fight in the third impact and and just all of these weird things readapting it to this this kind of cool surreal thing that still plays heavily into sort of the the into the dead sea scrolls and all these other like old testament things that the original series was playing with and also sort of the psychoanalytical thing except now we're including more about fatherhood and parenthood now this is the chance to resolve everyone else's stories as well and at the same time it also tries to argue i have this this question about sort of uh shinji wondering whether life is is worth something that always kind of comes up when um sort of what ends up happening is it is it it decides like i said before there there are these beautiful sequences that kind of show that that uh, that are quieter they're emphasizing this life in this rural village area full of refugees where they're able to make sort of a nice quiet life there there's a character who sort of functions as a as someone who's supposed to learn about what what these things are in a way that that really when i say these things sort of learn about things like childhood work happiness sadness because they're totally they're basically at this point sort of an empty vessel and and it becomes this vehicle to sort of you know sit down and breathe and take stock of things and and sort of think about yeah there's all these bad things but here's some of these nice things that can happen you can have a family you can make friends you can you can learn about you can read books and stuff. You can go out, touch grass, enjoy life. Dude. And then it goes back into the whole crazy giant apocalyptic robot fights and stuff like that, which is also really cool because it doesn't really – a lot of it isn't functioning in a way that makes a lot of sense uh, uh, 
like, uh, what is the word I'm thinking of choreography wise? A lot of it's not happening mm -hmm. in a way that would make sense in a, you know, if I was sitting down to actually draw up a battle or, or something, but it's all really stylistic and pretty. We're talking so, like half human, like half, like the lower torsos of robots charging Paris and killing a giant cannon with the, with an Eiffel tower painted red and, and, um, these these crazy just these like, like giant robots that have been like you could tell they were having fun with the designs for the robots and stuff and then it it, it in a way that also sort of feels like it's an ode ode like ode to like tokusatsu films and stuff like that to like Ultraman and and Power Ranger Megazord fights and stuff like that and and just these really cool like there's these explosions and they're giant crosses there's a sea of of oranges and reds that are supposed to like represent the anti-universe or some crazy nonsense it doesn't actually fully make sense but it's fine because it ends up becoming this sort of vehicle for to to sort of allow the characters reflect on things like fatherhood reflect on things like life reflect on things like meanings of life purpose and and in the end, it kind of comes to this this very this conclusion where not only like the previous iterations of the Evangelion story had been sort of like it, there's a little bit of cynicism there, there's a little bit of doubt you feel, and this one is like an affirmative no life it, it is it is worth living life it is worth everything that you are doing, um, just and while you're at it, put away the robots. This stuff is over we're ready to move on. You should be ready to move on. And it just felt like a, a, a closing the book formally on all of this in a way that, that felt good and made me just feel really happy, which is weird. I had, I had actually planned this spiel in advance, but I'm totally ranting and off script now. So I apologize, but <laughs> it, it, I felt really good about this at the end. And I was worried it was sort of an immediacy thing. So about a couple months later, I went back to watch it and I still felt the exact same way. And and I just feel good. And it's crazy to me that it, this is all part of this insane big franchise. Like, I mean, Evangelion's popular enough that they're painting it on the sides of trains and stuff in Japan. And the ending of this, this final send off to it was put the robots away and just just live for god's sake or something and it was it was good what's happiness know. like michael it feels <laughs> nice oh. it's weird it felt really especially with like sort of the the real world context we're in right now with everything going on with the coronavirus with everything going on with with uh, uh <laughs> the return of fascism and things it's oh. just it's it's great to have this other thing where it's like you know things are maybe things can be bad and stuff but real and but really this is a beautiful thing we have here please take it in Aww. that thing being like like being alive that thing being like like please which is it felt really good and it's felt really good too if you knew like the if you if you've ever sort of knew the context about the creator and stuff and about sort of the deep depression he had dealt with up to this point it really feels like he had also kind of crossed that hump himself and it was it just it all felt so good and I, I needed that and it was so cathartic that's kind of space jam too for me i kind of get what you're yeah. saying mm. yeah 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 it's, it's a lot like you know it's a lot like that part in space jam too where rick and morty throw taz yes. the tani, uh, taz the tasmanian devil at our at our heroes and and whatnot i clapped at that part because I, <laughs> yeah. I was so happy big stupid yeah. smile on my face i completely uh, understand good. 
Yeah, you're good. I, I I get it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot like that. A lot okay. like that. You're speaking my language now, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Cartoons. Cartoons. Carly, you watched End of Evangelion. Yeah, but that's not this, okay. right? No, it's no. not. Okay. I just think that's a funny thing to know <laughs> to have happened. <laughs> that is cool. Hell yeah. It all keeps tumbling down. Just like this list continues to tumble into place. Hmm? When you add. When I add the Matrix Resurrections to this list. Ah, oh, thank fun. God. Psych. Oh, <gasps> Uh, I'm trying to come up with the best Dear Evan Hansen. Carly, why did you put Dear Evan Hansen on this list? We'll get Dear Evan Hansen is the m- most fun I had watching a terrible movie this okay. year, last year. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me do my spiel and then we can talk about it. Yes, yes. Um, so we were saying that, you know, this isn't necessarily the best movies. I wouldn't say The Matrix Resurrections is a great movie. Um, but it is punk rock in a way that I can totally understand and appreciate and love. Uh, it is a giant corporation going to this creator and saying, hey, do this or we're going to do it without you, which sucks to begin with. It, it's just like the Matrix Resurrections is not trying to tell you a story other than creating art in this environment is terrible Mm. and it's beautiful for that it is the most on the nose self-aware fourth wall breaking (laughs) blockbuster that is humanly possible um the first half of this movie is this insane cavalcade of keanu reeves sitting in a chair in an office and some schmarmy ceo looking dude being like what if we just made the matrix again and keanu just going like what And it's just, it's so, it's constantly cutting to clips from the first movie as if to show you how much worse this movie is in comparison, even though this movie probably costs way more money to make, which is its own thing. Um, It is so just, it is a movie made by someone who is watching the movie that is being made and who is frustrated in the way that people who watch the movie will be frustrated while also being frustrated at having to make this movie because people think they want this movie, even though obviously if the creator of this movie knows that you don't want this movie, you should know you don't want this movie, but it didn't work. But also this movie flopped. (laughs) So I guess it did work. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I love art. The matrix resurrections is art. Also the second half isn't very good. The uh, conversation around this movie is insane. I think everyone should watch this movie, which is why it's on this list. I don't think everyone will enjoy this movie, um, but I respect the hell out of The Matrix Resurrections. Heck yeah. It's Heck yeah. Because like what you described is is what, I forget which Wachowski made Resurrections, but it's it was basically their thing. Right, because they were kind of roped into this, and they were kind of told, "Hey, we're going to re- do another Matrix, whether you're on board or not." Which yeah. is why they were there in the first place. And what a terrible thing to be told! First mm-hmm. of all, I know, especially because it's become obvious that it was this very personal story, the original Matrix yeah. and the sequels, and it's going to be told, "Yeah, this is a franchise, and we're just going to keep doing this." So, and maybe you could even you could extrapolate that 
you know, this movie's not very good. Maybe this is the nail in the coffin. Maybe this is artistic suicide. This is, you know. Oh, sure. Which is beautiful. Yeah. No, it's I wonderful. Love that. It sounds like they're not going to, I like, I can't imagine them coming back to the Matrix after the response. That's so cool. I Yeah, I think, I, again, I forget which Wachowski, but they torpedoed the franchise successfully, it seems. <laughs> now they can make Jupiter Ascending 2. I wonder if the cast would have stayed on if it wasn't one of the Wachowskis. Well, they did lose a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But they got the people. Oh, and there's like, I don't want to short shrift this movie. There's some really interesting stuff going on as far as like other actors inhabiting roles and, you know, just kind of representing the mill of creation and like, what does that mean to the viewer that this person is different, even though it's the same? And they mm-hmm. kind of get into that in a way that I don't think I expect from like a big blockbuster movie. Uh, this is not, it's, it's definitely not a dumb movie. I don't know if it's an entertaining or uh, entirely successful one, but yeah, I really just think everybody should watch this movie. Even if you don't care about the matrix or know what happened in the matrix three revolutions or whatever. Because who cares? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, spoilers, Neo dies in the third movie, and he's just back. You know? <laughs> and I think they're very aware of that and what that means. And it's just, yeah. Anyway, Matrix Resurrections Resurrection is in theaters before. <laughs> Check it out. Now the hard part, you guys. Yeah, how do we do this? Well, we've yeah. done it before, and we'll do it again. I mean, well, process wise, <laughs> we can cut to the quick and just be like, go down the list and do people think it should be on, and then the ones that nobody thinks should be on shouldn't be on. Or we can do the more fun thing where we go through and everyone just is like, I would cut this one, and then we talk about it. But that's much more time consuming. Hmm. What's the first option? Um, I just go down the list, and it's like, well, only one person wanted this on, so it's not making it on. Oh, I feel like the 1v2 doesn't work well. I don't think that's the most fun way to do it. I think we have to do that at some point, but we don't yeah, have to Yeah, yeah, but not right there. away. Yeah. Yeah. So, Carly, is there one you would maybe either want to lock or cut? I deeply, 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 deeply want to lock in Spencer. I completely support this. Michael, what are your thoughts? I don't love Spencer for reasons that I think just... I don't know. I just, it wasn't like plot wise, like the way that it was, the plot was structured didn't fully come together for me in a, in a, a a way that felt complete, but I have no beef with it being on here. I think it is a beautifully filmed movie. I think it is a beautifully acted movie. There are moments that I think are incredible. I love the, the drive away from the palace where they're just jamming to Mike and the mechanics mm. and, and raising their fists and stuff. Like it's a freaking like it's the breakfast club or something. <laughs> just a really good moment right there. Well, there's also a little bit of that, like that uncertainty about what comes next while they're by the, the river Thames in London and stuff. So I, I don't feel as strongly about Spencer as I think you folks do, but I am perfectly fine with it on this list. I I don't I'm gonna mark it yellow and I'll tell you why. Because maybe no 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 I'm not rescinding any support, but maybe this list could all have movies that we all think should be on it. I don't no. think that's true, but we're not eliminating Spencer. 
My like body temperature just went up two degrees. Well, <laughs> I really if Spencer don't. Spencer does not end up on this list. I will be legitimately okay. upset, and I don't mean That's to emotionally threaten for. you all. However, like I okay, so when I referenced like, oh, is this year worse than other years? Like the bummer or the like tricky part of this is that like there were a few other movies that came out or like theoretically came out last year that we can't talk about. But this being our list, like Spencer is the only movie of all of the 2021 movies that like sort of knocked the win out of me. And like, it it feels insane that there was only one of those because I think that should happen more often. But like, this is the only one where I was like, there's just some like emotional purity that are is like screaming at you from this movie and it's accompanied by everything you just mentioned michael like the visuals and soundtrack and acting and all that good stuff like it's a standout standout movie should kin <laughs> is this the part where i should come in and say what I, what it was that kind of threw me off yes about yes Okay, so spoiler, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure we've spoiler alerted already. But Yes, we, I um, mean, it, just overall, I mean, this is like the nitty gritty. So we'll be talking about the plots of these movies in some detail. Okay. Fair warning. So the the moment, I think that the, that's supposed to be the turning point in this movie, where she goes back to her old manor, her, where she grew up. Um. Where she sees the ghost of Anne Boleyn, and then there's this beautifully film—I will say, beautifully filmed—sequence uh, of of just her dancing, both as a child and as an adult, and it's just as like an ex- exercise of like cinematography. I loved it, but it felt like this was—we didn't get a whole lot of. It felt like it never really. It, it, there were like little winks of some kind of nostalgia they were trying to point towards, but it never really embraced that. Then somehow to have that be such a, a prominent part of what's supposed to be this film, sort of like turning point, this realization for her that she doesn't want this this life with royalty, for it to have such a prominent role. And I, and I'm talking specifically within. Well, I mean, the fact that it's occurring both within her old childhood home, which is sort of pointed to a few times. And actually, there's the also her trying to sneak in originally and also the to have that be such a prominent place in sort of that that dancing montage. And I really don't feel like montage is the right word, but I think montage is the word I'm going to go with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt so overrepresented in a way that didn't make the most sense to me up to that point like maybe if there was at least one other sort of flashback sequence because this movie showed it wasn't afraid necessarily of of flashing back or breaking breaking its timeline when it needed to it just it it kind of caught me off guard and for that to be sort of this this moment of realization felt really almost like a letdown in a way especially since so much of the build-up to this was was sort of how terrible life is with within royalty and how abusive some members of the royal family were and and which i i kind of loved all of that whoever was playing prince charles did <laughs> yeah. amazingly as a sinister asshole um but just like that one moment really threw the whole thing off for me and i i just i wasn't sure where to kind of go after that 
as much as I liked these little pieces in the movie, as much as I liked things like her relationship with the chef and her relationship with, I think her name was Margaret, the, the, her, her, um, her dresser or whatever mm-hmm. the, the formal title was and sort of the, like all of that. I, I liked all of that, but it just didn't feel like it came together in a, it didn't feel like the way that that came together, that turning point hit made the, the just, it didn't feel like it was built up to in a way that made the most sense to me or in a way that, that made that pay off the way I think it was intended to. I think I interpreted it super differently. Like I think it, it, the first like two thirds of the movie, it truly just feels like, again, I think like you kind of have to separate this character from Princess Diana. Like it feels like, and not to get like too dark about it, but like it feels like she might just kill herself. And to me, like that moment is less of a realization of I don't want to be in the real royal family because I think like she knows she wants out the entire time. There's just no way to get there, or at least that she can see. It's a realization of like, oh, there's still life to live and there's like beauty. And so much of that is coming from like her being isolated in the big house and not being able to go to her childhood house is like such a purposeful move from the royal family to keep her divorced from any sense of self and they're just like making her into a doll that they can play with and do all these terrible things to to suit their public image and then she finally gets to reunite with any sense of her own like you know identity in life and who she is outside of all of the madness and like so like it, it to me it was like a oh i want to live and i want to figure out how to make this not hell constantly um i like it definitely does stand out from the rest of the movie and like i i yeah i don't know i guess like that chunk just worked differently for me hello hi uh i'm kind of with michael uh at least in regards to this one sequence we're talking about um it didn't have the same effect for me Overall, but I think it's the weakest part of the movie, the part we're talking about. Um, but I just mentioned that because I can see where Michael's coming from, but also I still think this it should be on the list because otherwise this movie is incredible to me. Yeah, Dance and I don't have fun any, too. Yeah, and I don't have any problems with it being on the list. And I actually like I liked isolated. I liked a lot of the ideas that were being floated around there. It just didn't. Yeah feel like it naturally came together and it was really weird to me to have so much of the especially the childhood stuff when we didn't really see any of that yeah that's we only see the scarecrow really we see the scarecrow and we see her kind of trying to sneak back into the house but you don't really get anything more than that and i might be wrong there might be little hints of it here and there but you but it was also for them to go from all of all of that to to also very literally showing diana as a as a kid showing her as a child it was just all very abrupt in a way that that really threw me off from what up to this point had seemed so much more careful and intentional and yeah i think i I, am with you that like i i think the moment works super well for me but i i i agree that like you could probably achieve it without having footage of a little girl like just by seeing older princess diana dancing and like expressing herself in some way i think you get a lot of the emotion already so yeah like yeah i agree there is something 
it it stands out from the rest of the movie in kind of a wonky way. And it might have shaved a little bit of time off that timestamp there. Nah, what? keep her long. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to put Spencer on this list. I could, yeah, I have no issue with, as the the almost, as the kind of naysayer who really isn't naysaying, I have no issue with it on this list. Okay. So. Thank you. Well, Michael, it's your turn to pick one to either shoot for or shoot against. Uh, I feel bad shooting against. Do it. Oh. Okay, I guess it's not a shoot against. It's more of a. Uh, Should we shoot this? (laughs) Should we shoot this? It's just more of like I know it's not good. Should we start knocking stuff off too? Just like that we know isn't going to make. Well, that's up to you, sir. I don't like this kind of power. (laughs) Do it. Okay, actually, I'm going to try to make a shot with this. Um, I apologize, Tucker, because I know you did not like this movie. (laughs) But I at least want to try Shiva Baby for two reasons. Okay. One, I think as like an exercise in filmmaking, I thought it was a really cool way to sort of adapt a a lot of these... Um, stylistic choices that you would use to sit down and make a, a horror film and instead turn it into like this this wonky comic not wonky but apply it to what's what's like a dark darkly comic movie um from the the soundtrack this really strings heavy kind of discordant soundtrack to the the very 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 tight camera angles sort of try to build this anxiety going through that also <laughs> is this kind of weird family drama going on and this weird relationship drama going on um i think it's well acted all that stuff kind of thought worked really really well for me i also just love that there's a movie that seems so comfortable with presenting bisexuality and and um presenting sort of this like this seems kind of sex positive in a way but also at a time when you know, people are holding synagogues hostage and things like that. We have this movie that is so unabashedly out there with its Jewishness and so proud of its Jewishness that as as a, I'm non-practicing really, but as, as a Jewish person, it was great for me to, like it was great to see just sort of something that reveled in, in how, reveled in its representation of, of Judaism. And I, I loved it for that. It felt great for that. But but I know you don't like it, Tucker. And <laughs> I'm, I'm okay if it gets knocked off, but I wanted to make that pitch because that, especially the, the second part there, like like together, just it, it on these two lanes is both what I think is a well put together movie and as something that can, that seems so assertive at a time when, when things are bad, I just, I liked that a lot. I think so. like, I, I don't know that like my choice would be to put it on the list, but I think if I were to posit an additional argument for putting it on, I think this is like the most, uh, with it, <laughs> makes it sound like I'm old, but like I, the casting of this is like a, people that are up and coming, or actors that like you know we haven't seen basically like people that everyone loves or is excited excited to see i think Carly. specifically like younger people huh? 
Enough about licorice pizza, dude. We're talking about Shiva <laughs> baby. And that, like, so many of the jokes and stuff, and like, absolutely, it's politics. Like, we didn't talk about the girl boss scene, but like, that was an early contender for uh, satirizing the girl boss phenomenon, and was probably like my favorite example of it I've ever seen. Like, I, I just think it 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 is like a new generation of filmmaker or something um that's really fun and i can't wait to watch more movies like this i also just want to put a plug in there for the van scene at the very end after all of these incredibly intensely awkward situations happen everyone (laughs) because the parents are totally oblivious they invite everyone to crowd into this van and it's just this really awkward sequence of people trying to fit into this one van and it was i think some of the it was one of the funniest bits that i that i had seen this year i just thought it was hilarious like just good comedy so do i need to argue against this movie or are we cutting it i can't (laughs) tell my vote would not for would be okay. for it to not be on the list, but I feel bad that I just like lost my mind at everyone about Spencer for 20 minutes or whatever. That's fine. Spencer's good though. <laughs> Spencer doesn't end with the 18th Curb Your Enthusiasm joke of the film. Yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't sorry. have to be on the list. I just wanted to make a pitch for it, kind of knowing it wasn't going to be there. I'm sorry. It really did nothing for me. I, I kind of, okay. Yeah. It would be on my personal list is what I would say. But I hear you, bro. <laughs> the enthusiasm jokes. Okay, anyway. Um, hey. You guys ready to rip the band-aid off? Let's get rid of old. Let's cut old off of this list. It's not making it on. I'm sorry, cars is not gonna happen. It's a fun movie. I love old. You love old. We all love old. Michael loves old, but I I, don't think it's one of the canonical movies. I don't like old. Okay. I thought I liked old, but the more I think about old, the more I'm not a big fan of old. Let me just, I, I'm fine with cutting it. Let me just say one quick thing before we continue this conversation. Yes. I think arguably there are only like two other canonical movies on this list. So I don't think that can be the standard. Like, no one cares about these movies and they won't care in a year. And we're just, I don't know. Like, it is this going back matter. to your, your yearly, like, this is the worst year thing? I don't know. I just think like there's not much going on in terms of like stuff that will carry with us to the future even the bad examples like i don't think even the bad movies are like no they're not as bad fun or something no i totally agree with you yeah 10 years from now you can find someone of a similar age in in a weird situation or something and you could say hey remember that movie where the beach turned them old oh i can't wait will be like yes I remember the movie where the beach turned them old. Yeah, I can't I don't wait. Think that makes it canonical, though. I, um, I also think I, as someone who wasn't really a big fan of old for reasons I've complained about already, I apologize on another podcast, I guess maybe, <laughs> um, or another episode of this or whatever. But I like that someone like M Night Shyamalan is still out here making these yes. sort of like mid-budget, goofy movies that maybe aren't great, but they get the job they're, done. They're kind of fun still. Like I don't yeah. like old, but I had fun with parts of it. Yeah. Well, 
to kind of, I know I'm cutting it, but to kind of defend it in some ways, like I think the scene where the, the mom and the dad are just on the beach and their bodies are starting to go is like very touching and like yeah. in a way that I don't get out of a lot of other movies on this list, even the good ones, <laughs> like mm. that worked very well for me. I think there's M. Night Shyamalan puts a lot of heart into his movies and I think old maybe works the least when it's mean because there is an aspect of this that is mean about people mm-hmm. getting older. Um, but when it is kind of going for the empath, we are all getting older and we're going to die thing, I think it works really well. Yeah. There's a moment sort of halfway through when everything kind of hits the fan yeah. that I think is also a lot of fun. Yeah. Like you could yeah. pick at the politics of that all you want and <laughs> sure. it, maybe it doesn't hold up, but as sort of like a a, a a bit of like chaos it's a yeah. lot of fun so yeah. and i think we've argued about this a little bit but i think it looks great and the way they kind of constrain things or the the camera's constantly moving and that is perfect for this movie because you're always wondering what people are going to look like when they show up yeah. on camera yep. and that's just like yep. i think that's an excellent pairing of skill and concept ending's bad Ending's bad, ending's and bad. I think we ending's can cut. so bad. <laughs> Our mom likes the ending. Really? <laughs> yes. But, okay, uh, I think there is an argument for the final-ish part, like yeah. them in the helicopter. I heard mm. it compared to like the ending of The Graduate, where it's like, oh, we made it, but okay, so now we're Another. older. We're like 20, 30 years older than everyone we knew before. Right. We're freaks. We watched everyone we love die. Like, it's just like <laughs> they made it, but their lives are kind of goofy, irreparably screwed up. Right. And that's right. kind of awesome. But just yeah, like all, all of the ours. like twist stuff is terrible. And they filmed the helicopter like it was in an army recruitment commercial. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> like that exact angle of the helicopter. That, that whole. <laughs> It's like a Transformers movie. Ah. I'm turning it red. It's gone. It's dead. I uh, old. Like, like, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Anyway. Carly. Yep. I believe it's your turn again. Um, possibly controversial one coming. Eh. No, I want to put Malignant on. I would love to put Malignant on. Let's have some fun. Let's just, let's just go for it. You know? Let's vibe. There's no rules. There's no law. I love villainizing mental. Michael, I I disagree with this argument. You're talking about horror as a genre. You're talking about an entire genre. Okay, yeah, and I think it's an issue with horror as a genre. (laughs) But I don't, there's much worse versions of that than malignant. Yeah, old. Where it's an actual I I didn't have a problem with it in old either, I guess, but. The whole, oh, the schizophrenic guy who's also a racist or whatever. He's got dementia. They're, they're going to fly off the handle. I didn't. Um, That's what happens to people sometimes. Um, I also felt really weird about the setup of Malignant kind of coming from a, a, a sort of an abusive. But she owns it. She yeah. turns it around. Sure. I also just don't think this movie is very good outside of like <sighs> of, of visual things and the fight scene. I think the fight scene is fantastic, but all the like crazy, like rain dream teleportation. That's pretty sick, dude. Come on. 
The trophy? Carly, high five me on the trophy here. Like I, I can be over. Like you can, you can vote over me here, but I, I just don't feel like malignant. We can put it in yellow. Okay, we'll yellow it. We'll pee on okay. it. And it is urine soaked. <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't have a good argument against it, other than that I think it's kind of trash outside of like a handful of cool things, which is how Love I think of most trash. Which is how I think of basically everything James Wan does. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. We should put it, should have put spiral from the book of Saw. Oh my god! Canonical. <laughs> and I'm changing my lock. <laughs> uh, Michael, what are you thinking here? Um, I'm just going to remove a movie that I know no one else here saw. Days towards the bottom. Uh, what is that, this, So it was made by this Taiwanese director, who's sort of this this well known art director. I'm I don't have his name on hand, and I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, but it's sort of this, this, it's movies as capital A art kind of thing. Um, <laughs> basically, okay. uh, okay. So the director is Tsai Ming Liang. Um, he films these two who, uh, oh. these two people in, um, they're in Bangkok and, uh, it just, it feels like this really lonely thing. There's a lot of hanging a camera in one point and just holding it there for minutes at a time. Well, people just kind of do what they're doing. Like, there's a lot of a lot happening in a kitchen. There's um, it kind of starts with sort of a guy sitting in a chair on a rainy day, and it's really meditative. It's really quiet. It's very drawn out. It's not the kind of thing that's like in any way kinetic or or, or any way kind of like like. There's not a lot of movement. There's it's very very slow very very contemplative um but visually all of those shots are fantastic everything that's happening is so naturalistic the two actors are just do a fantastic job of just being people that happen to be in the camera frame um there's a there's a very graphic uh sex scene between the two at one point later on um it's not filmed in a way that's in any way voyeuristic or in any way scandalous. It's just very like naturalistic, very humanistic. There are these moments where they're after, after that, where they're together and it's just really quiet. And all the while you're getting like these kind of beautiful, like very intimate shots of life in Bangkok. And, and it's just, I thought it was really, really cool. It's not, something that's necessarily easy to watch just because it's so long winded and it is kind of boring, but it's like an exercise and different and like a, as in conceptual filmmaking as a way to try to present sort of humanism on camera. It's, it was really cool. I really liked it. So uh, obviously I'm the only one here who watched it. Um, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but I just kind of wanted to put it out there as this thing that I thought was really kind of neat. I know Yes, as soon as you start talking about it, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, is it really long? Yes. Okay. <sighs> this doesn't sound like a very Tuckery movie, Michael. Is no, this, probably oh, not. Okay, okay. I'm just <laughs> no. checking. I'm just checking. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like, prepare to be bored, I guess, but also. Yeah, that's just, every movie. Okay, yeah. It needs a lot of patience, <laughs> but I think it's just, I really, I thought it was really beautiful. <laughs> So I'm putting this in like the list of 
artful movies that Michael recommends in these talks alongside Manos, which ended up being a movie I really, really liked. So now I'm looking nice. forward to watching days. Yeah, okay. Value. Ching. I haven't watched Monos in a while. I should go back to Monos. So good. I think it about that movie cool. all the time. Like, a, yeah, it sticks with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. So this is another really pretty movie. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Okay. So that's my that's that's where I'm at. All right, Tucker Stern. Uh I'm gonna cut CryptoZoo because obviously the support is not there. Um, but <laughs> well, my not. constituents aren't with me. Well, I mean, come on, that's not yeah. that's not making it. But uh, I thought CryptoZoo was. As a showpiece of animation, I thought was incredible. And as this very, um, and it kind of shoots itself in the foot because the last third or so is very like blockbuster action. But otherwise, this is this very um, almost Pynchon-esque sort of uh, <laughs> woogly detective story where it starts out with them trying to accomplish something, but then they just kind of get sidetracked in society, in this weird society where cryptids exist in like the strip club has like a centaur or like a mr timbus or whatever what's the guy from narnia the little Tumnus, mr Tumnus <laughs> <Mr>. <laughs> is basically at the strip club so things go great uh really interesting movie um but yeah it's just weird cartoon so i've given it as much rope as i can give it so crypto zoo check it out carly Okay, we're going to get funky here. Mm. Let me make a half-spirited mm. case for Malcolm and Marie. Oh, okay. You might have to do like <laughs> three-quarters spirited here, Car. <laughs> okay. Well, I, to be truthful, I don't care if it ends up on it or not. But I think okay. there is a decent argument in that. Um, Have we ever seen so many takes and thoughts about a movie? Rarely. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. At least I guess in like the film world yeah. and like celebrity and all of the things that go along with it. Like this is such a deeply cursed, complicated, but super well crafted and acted movie that like makes no sense and is so troubling and is still haunting my brain currently as I'm watching <laughs> Euphoria. I can't stop thinking about it. I wish we knew nothing about this director, but he's forcing us to know everything. Uh, day is in it. Mm, that's about that. <laughs> Wait, who's um, the director of this? Sam Levinson, who's also Euphoria. Oh, okay. Yeah. We love season two of Euphoria. Carly, I uh, <laughs> I want to go with you on this, but beyond that, it's just such a boring, yes. awful movie. Like, Which it's is just... hilarious because there's so much like chaos around it that like, yeah. no matter what you say about, or no matter what I say about Euphoria, it's not boring. Right. Like it's right. chaos and it's not boring. This right. is chaos, but boring, which is hard right. to do. You would think, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it just like it exists solely. It feels like to create that chaos and that drama because it's the same scene thirteen times in a row, and then the movie's over. Like I, I it's like they didn't put any effort into the movie other than coming up with this cursed concept for a movie. I do think it looks really good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The black and white thing is like we made a black and white. I don't know. I like 
I feel the same way about passing where it's like, okay, we made this black and white, so it looks really good, but it looked good not in black and white. Like it's such a, and that's four by three, so it's even worse, but it's like such a conscious, <laughs> like why, why shoot black and white? You know, is it because it looks good? We should have had black and white as a theme of 2021. Sure. Yeah. Mm. I think can... black and white. Hmm. I think, okay, just to kind of throw out a, a defense of, like, black and white, because you're not working with the full color palette, um, it kind of challenges both set design and the actor and, put, and actors and puts a little more umph onto them to try to provide some of the color in the absence of color. And I think it can be used as a pretty creative, um, used pretty creatively in that in that way. And I think there's actually a movie on this list that, that does that. Really French well. dispatch anyone? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Everybody. We say dispatch. But I feel like you could say the same thing about four by three, and I hate four by three. Where it's like I, it's I would say the same thing about four by three, except it, I also don't think it's as constraining. I, I have no issues with four by three. Your, your four by three crusade confuses and angers well, me. <laughs> it confuses and angers Lur. <laughs> well, Lur, as I've often said, I have more of an issue when it's used to show old timey things, especially from before video cameras were invented. <laughs> yeah. so, freaks me out. Uh, Car, I will say I do not support Malcolm and Marie being on this list. Is that fine with you? Yes. Okay. I'm glad we got to talk about it, though. It's a fascinating yeah. nightmare of a movie. Yes. Now I want to watch Malcolm and Marie. It's uh, I skipped this. I sidestepped the chaos. The thing yeah. that's more fun is reading the articles about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Think pieces, if you will. Yes. Okay. How is the actually the how is the acting though? Because I do like Zendaya, I guess somewhat, and uh, I forget the other actor's name, and I don't know why. John David Washington. Yes, John David Washington. I liked him. He was one of the parts of Tenet I liked. Yes, yeah. I like them both. I think they do both do a good job. I think it's challenging because it's like this extremely overwritten material, okay. um, but I think they both like stand up to the challenge. Okay. I'm curious. Do you think it would land better? I'm a part of what I'm asking. I'm curious about is whether or not it would land better with a, a different cast. No, like I think this is the best it could have been for what they okay. were trying to do. Yeah. Okay. It, like a, all of the problems boil down to Sam Levinson, in my opinion. Just okay. in general, just in life. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael. Okay. Can I put out an attempt at? Can I make an attempt at West Side Story knowing no one else here watched it? I feel like it's going to go nowhere. But I think that it is insane to me that someone like Steven Spielberg can sit down and say, hey, let's remake. We're going to remake West Side Story and then do it and then put out something that feels still feels like a modern blockbuster movie feels like it's its own product like it's its own thing it is not just the remake of the this movie from the 1960s that is just so beautifully put together beautifully cast beautifully acted beautifully filmed and is just this great kinetic thing that feels like a blockbuster movie that like it feels like the classical definition of a blockbuster which i guess it makes sense then that spielberg was the one who did it but it's just and then all of it like i don't there's so much going on here with the material. Yeah, it's just Romeo and Juliet, but it's also talking about class. It's also going into race. And I think this one handles it, that a little actually better than the other one. And that's not just because the the original had some issues with brown face. Um, <laughs> and just, it is just such a good 
movie altogether. I it this was the one of the only things I actually sat down to go see in a theater because we're obviously living in a plague. But mm-hmm. I it was just this great thing. I loved it so much. I just fantastic. I don't know. Michael, I'm gonna attempt to broker peace with peace with peace with you. Peace okay. with you. Uh, I would like to make this film yellow because I anticipate liking this movie a lot. And I like Maybe. the words you're saying. Okay. But uh I think there are other movies we should talk about before we lock it in on a list of ten movies. Okay. I wasn't even expecting it to make it that far. So Yeah, I cool. also don't have a problem with it going on. Like I I think there's one other movie here that I would couple with this just in the idea of like it's nice that or it's nice when like great directors make get to make big movies and don't look up they're of good quality like (laughs) okay i think that's really fun and cool and yeah i i kind of have no issue with this ending up on the list okay i just think we should have other conversations first okay okay that is fair to me because this is probably it was it was probably like one of the single best experiences i've had seeing a movie in theaters so like i loved it it just felt it felt like one of those like cinema's back baby kind of thing <laughs> i don't know it just it felt like a movie like a capital m movie it yeah. felt great that's what so. i'm trying to express with that like like i i don't i okay not to force us into another conversation but like the other one i would call out was the power of the dog where it's just like oh this is a great director taking a great story and making it into a great movie and like it wasn't my favorite oh. movie of the year or anything, but it's just like, yeah, this is great. Movies are awesome. Cool. I would say that, but I also have other things I would say for Power of the Dog whenever we get to that. Yeah. So, Well, since we're talking about capital M movies, let's talk about Space Jam 2 and cut it from this list. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, Tucker, what's your argument for for bringing it up? Well, it's, it's just, it's taking a look at the barren wasteland of culture, you know? It's just like... <laughs> This is our future. This is our present. This is the past. It is all things. Space Jam 2. You know? I can't believe it exists. It It is. I mean, it's the most cynical, just artless, like, it. but in a way that, like, like every year there's artless, schlocky kids movies coming out. I won't name any names. Uh, this this goes beyond. This is like Fortnite the game. You know, it's got Rick and Morty. It's got... It's just like... It is so scary that it makes sense as a movie. You know? <laughs> like, it's a thing that somebody greenlit and was like, yeah, that makes sense in this current climate. Let's do that. And it does make sense in that current climate. And that's really scary. And it's like... It brings in all the, like, streaming wars that are going on. Uh, in a really scary way where it's like, this is just us brandishing our medals. Like this is our, this is our, you know, reserves. We've got, we've got clockwork orange. Remember Casablanca? I do. Like, it's weird in the way that it also, like it almost devalues other things. Right. Like it almost devalues Casablanca. All of these artifacts. Yeah. Yeah. Scooby-Doo is Casablanca. It's all the same thing. It's all on the level. It's crazy. Speed racer. You hate that about this thing. <laughs> it's like worse. Ready player one. 
Yeah. Speaking of Spielberg. It's like, yeah. Yeah, speaking of Spielberg. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, as much as Ready Player One is garbage, the Shining sequence is like, oh, here's how you kind of revisit the past in maybe like a very loving, careful way. And then Space Jam 2 is just like, it's just like throw it all on screen at once and let people just like look at looping animations of Clockwork Orange extras while drama is happening with Looney Tunes. It's so crazy. Yeah. But I don't think it's one of the canonical movies of the year necessarily. No, but. But it's up there. It's so. (laughs) Yeah, it's. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. The Michael B. Jordan joke was pretty. That was pretty good. That was pretty funny. I thought that was cute. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So we're putting it on. We're making it green. (laughs) (laughs) No, please. Please kill it forever. Okay. It's dead. No, it's not. It'll come back. This is the precursor of things to come. Space Jam 3. Welcome to the metaverse. Oh, God. Carly, <laughs> please take um, us away from this. this well, realm. okay, so there's one can conversation. I, oh, sorry. Can I hit the pause button quick? Of course. Yes. I have a fish who is making noises at me. Okay. I will be right back. So Helen's a boy, and what that means is that Helen is awesome. Carly, come on. Bruce is also a boy. Dude, they should meet up and, like, play foosball. Tussle. Okay. <laughs> Throw darts. One of the funniest scenes in Euphoria, maybe probably not on purpose, is a guy gets kicked out of a bar. And the, the bouncer says, as he's pushing him out of the bar, I told you ten times not to wrestle! <laughs> Carly, it's your turn. Yes, I'm going to force an issue... I have no thoughts Not of my own issue. on this, but I want to get this one out of the way. Let us talk. Don't look up. Okay. I think don't look up absolutely needs to be on this list. It probably oh. does, which is so oh. upsetting. I don't think that at all. Okay. I hate this movie. I'm sorry. This movie I, sucks. I like this I, movie a lot. You guys are crazy. <laughs> Please bring your arguments. Who's okay. Mine is primarily in... It's the most like obvious criticism, but like it is really, really annoying to have all of these people screaming at us about something that like they play a major role in or are at least like so outside of that. I just don't care to hear their thoughts and opinions. Okay, but I, I, I need to nip something in the bud, which is I think you guys have a problem with this movie where it's not solving problems. And I don't think that's what this movie is about at all. I don't think it's even... I I don't think it even has the problem right. Oh, I think it totally does. Oh, I don't. People uh, don't. People aren't out here not caring about climate change or the or or whatever. People they care. They're not just mindlessly distracting themselves <laughs> with some kind of celebrity romance or something. I think people that's actually care. The issue has nothing to do with whether or not people care about climate change. It has everything to do with powers that are beyond the average person not caring about climate change oh that's represented in the film i feel like yeah i think some of that like i think the mixing of government and private industry in malicious ways is oh my god yeah i think that's good and i think that's (laughs) we forgot to talk about mark rylance i was just thinking he is incredible (laughs) yeah he's awesome i understand you might have issues with this movie but he was just like (laughs) <laughs> okay, I do. 
okay. I have an issue with my with with that as well. Oh my god, it's so good. Because it's like a satire of of like these <laughs> creepy tech people who yeah. are already self parodizing. Right. Like even in this weird hodgepodge Elon Musk thing he's got going on, he's not as weird as the actual Elon Musk. He's not as weird as the actual Jeff Bezos, who literally last year shot himself into space on a penis-shaped rocket. <laughs> that happens in this movie. He's not as weird as like I I don't know. Like these there's like these guys like Mark Zuckerberg is our human robot or whatever. Yeah. All of these all of the real world analogs are so much weirder than the satire that I don't I don't I it, it does I I don't know. It just it's not <laughs> a thing. And I do think we need to kind of circle back it to 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 what the message of this movie is. What is who is it trying to speak to? What is it trying to say? Because it sounds like it's trying to say something because that is definitely what what the writers are sounding off on on social media. Okay, I don't yeah, have a Twitter I think account. That's where this falls apart is if this wasn't <sighs> like if this movie was just a movie or something which it, it might is. be different, but it is Adam McKay trying to tell us all that we're stupid and need to care more about something we already care about. And he's like, that's really, not just us <laughs> interpreting something. That is him telling us that that's yeah. what he's trying to do. Okay, but that's not in the movie. It kind yeah. of is. I don't have a Twitter account. It kind of is. This argument doesn't work for me because I don't DiCaprio have a Twitter account. Leonardo DiCaprio literally says all of this in this crazy little rant thing he does at the... like. It's a good rant. Thing. It's a rant by a guy who's going to run home to a fucking $150 million yacht and pretend like we're the issue with climate change. Pretend like like the people who are watching this movie who don't believe the scientists are the problem with climate change. Well, he gets to fuck off to... That's not what this movie is about, though. It is, Fundamentally, it's Adam McKay yelling into a void, and I respect that. I, I feel that in my soul because I live in central Wisconsin, Michael, and I deal with this every single day and the emotions that this movie is expressing i feel those emotions man that's what this movie is this movie is not telling me anything it's not trying to convince me of anything it's not trying to solve any problems it's just adam mckay freaking out it's just a loud yell at a wall and except it's not that because it totally Adam, is that Adam though. McKay has told us it is not that. He has but told I don't us it have a Twitter that. account. That's not just a Twitter account thing. That is the director sharing his intentions. That is the writer's sharing That's not the intentions. movie, though. There's no That's scene in the what, movie where Adam McKay states his intentions. No, because he has Leonardo DiCaprio to do it. I, 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 and then as the creator really. and on the press to like the press circuit, that is what he is saying the intentions of this movie is. But that's an argument that I wouldn't level against any other movie on this list because I don't pay attention to any of that. Adam McKay is more annoying. But, like, I get your point but that I we're bringing in stuff outside the movie, but like, this is the most annoying version of you guys don't get my movie. Or, like, it's just, but you guys it's, are entering into that pact with him by having Twitter accounts. It's on you. <laughs> that is no, a terrible Adam argument. Adam McKay can shut up. Yeah. Um, I don't I think this movie probably should be on the list so I'm not arguing against it as like I think it is certainly one of the most canonical movies of the year it's nominated for Oscars Peep, everyone watched it and talked about it it's controversial it's there are fun parts of it Timmy's in it we love Timmy like a, I, I don't honestly think there's a good argument for this not being on the list but I do think it's a bad movie I like this more than Melancholia, and I needed to That's express that insane. to you. It's I more can't. realistic. 
because melancholy is about like uh, these people living in a like fantasy land. I know, but when we talked about melancholia, like the ending where it's like, and you had brought up like the thing they say don't do in melancholia is exactly what they do and yeah. don't look up. But I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a positive because people would do what they do and don't look up. I, I guess I just don't care. Except- like I care so much less about like it this view of it than like an interesting view of like this is not a movie that tells me something about humanity i don't think or at least not something that like your average joe couldn't already tell you whereas like melancholia is expressing like specific <laughs> emotions and thoughts that Again, i hadn't I considered don't think before. that's what the movie is i really you guys are arguing against a movie that this movie is not and i don't accept it i don't see i like i don't think it gets I don't get what it's it's supposed to be yelling about though. I don't think it it really is capturing like as a satire, I don't think it works and as like a an attempt to sort of capture this this anti-science thing, I don't even think that necessarily works because it feels as though it's like I, I just I don't I don't think it understands the the problems it's screaming about. I I again, I don't think it's trying to show you science or you know like it's not it's just a rictus it's just anger it's scientists going to the president to tell them everyone's going to die and it cuts to a picture of the president standing next to steven seagal in the worst outfit ever and just like you know immediately where it's going to go it's just it's frustration and anger and i think that's a perfect movie to put out this year or last year I just, I, I, it was just, a frustrating year, and I don't like, I don't see a lot of other frustration on this list of movies. I see sad period dramas. I guess I just, I can't agree with you on this. All I see, and all I see, and don't look up is someone yelling at a choir. Yes. And that I don't think is, is worth anything anymore. Okay. I think we've passed that point. So as a, but again, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is it is I view it as a personal expression of an emotion. And I think if this were a different scenario, you guys would applaud that. But because it's Adam McKay, you're saying this is bad. No, it's because it's Adam McKay making a movie about climate change. That I'm saying it's bad. OK, that fundamentally misunderstands where we are in conversations around climate change. The fundamental misunderstands the issue of climate change and misrepresents climate change that presents itself as a satire that is nowhere near as weird as the real life. Like you have a Trump character (laughs) that's nowhere near as bizarre as Trump. You have an Elon Musk that's nowhere near as weird as the real Elon Musk. Jonah Hill is fun as the little nepotistic twat, but... sure is. That's... Where's Baron? Is what you're asking. I, yes, I I'm asking. Where's the in universe? Where's the don't look back versus the don't oh, look God. up? Where's the don't look up? Timothy. We love Timothy. The Timothy uh, stuff didn't really work for me either. The, uh, oh, the so Ron charming. Perlman stuff yeah. didn't always work, but when it worked, I really liked it. I guess is the one nice thing. I, one of the things I really want to say, and I also kind of enjoyed the the sort of anti like the the sort of <laughs> the 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 armageddon sequence but the total reversal of the armageddon thing 
you know, where the ships go up and it's like, okay, we're setting it up as Armageddon. And I think the image of the rockets turning around, I thought was actually kind of funny the way they they put it together. The way See? they built it up as Armageddon, as, as sort of like the movie <laughs> Armageddon. And then they're like, but wait a minute. Like, are they coming back? The way that came together, I thought was actually funny. And it was like, oh, that's right. Adam McKay used to be a comic dude. He used to be a comedian <laughs> guy. <laughs> Okay. Well, I can live with being the only person on earth who apparently likes this movie. Uh, we can cut it. But you're clearly not because the Academy is on your side. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> That's a net negative a as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, this is sounding like a red to me. I'm going to make it so. I don't know. It's, I think there's, if we're taking canon, we're taking canon as like a. Canon-tude. Canonitude, yeah, canonitude, canonis, canonicity, whatever. Sure, I can, I get the argument. I just, I really don't like this movie. And the more I think about it, the more I really don't like it. I honestly still really... think this is like the most canonical movie. Of oh well, maybe it's not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it should be. Like, if we're holding ourselves accountable for this in some way, representing canon from 2021, I, it feels weird for this to not be on it. It was the thumbnail for the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, fine, whatever. Which is my decision to make. <laughs> I think there's like there's an art. I think there's a very good argument for it being sort of like where was film in 2021? Well, Adam McKay made this thing and put it out on Netflix. Yeah. So, because sure. I'm so dismissive of this movie. I hate That's this fun. movie, <laughs> Tucker. I'm sorry. I'm really he sorry. I really want. I really want to meet you. Like, I really want to level with you. I really wanted to like it, but I, I don't really know if that's true. did it, and I feel bad. That's okay. I'm sorry. Well, let's make it yellow. Let's pee okay. on. Don't look up. You know, honestly, you can make it green. Though it's okay with it being. I'm okay with it being green as long as the the record shows I hate it. Well, that's fine. Okay, cool. I hate the souvenir part too, but it's on here. <laughs> Did you see the souvenir part too? No, no, of course not. Oh, of course not. <laughs> you didn't see the first part. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the first part's pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. good. It's just just worth putting out there. Well, yeah. Okay, that was the movie I had. I wanted to talk about. So now we can. Wait, whose was that? Was that you? That was Michael? me. Oh, okay, Michael. Yeah. Is up late? Hey, bud. Oh, never mind. Hi. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, can I make a push for Minari knowing it's probably not going to go anywhere? Yes. I think Minari is a very beautiful movie and a very beautiful sort of immigrant story in, in the American heartland. And yeah, it's another one of those characters slowly walking through a field and touching grass, but I really love her. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Touching the haystocks or whatever. But it's just like, yeah. it's such a, I think it's in a lot of ways a vital story, especially sort of with the sort of coming from this angle as like immigrants trying to settle in the yeah. United States. And especially in a place where, you know, typically when we, when we think of, you know, families moving to the U.S., we think, oh, they're going to go to Los Angeles. They'll be in New York or one of the big cities. But these are people who are trying to get by in in rural, I believe, Arkansas. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of power sort of in, in sort of telling that story. On top of that, I think the cast is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like across mm -hmm. the board, just wonderful. We love Steve. The, 
I think yeah, we do. We love Stephen Yuan. Yeah, thank um, you. The uh, <laughs> like everything about it, like this, this just for me watching the story of these guys, of these of, of this family trying to to make it as farmers and everything going wrong was sort of, but they, yet they still persevere. It sort of feels like an almost idealized form of the American dream in a way. And I kind of like that about it uh, while contrasting that with the the reality of this sucks kind of thing. <laughs> but um, Hell yeah. I, I just, there's the, I just, everything about it. I loved so, so much. And I, I really would love it if it could be here knowing that it might not, but I do think it's also sort of vital, particularly as we talk about, sort of asian american representation in film too at a time when when asian american racism towards asian americans is at a high particularly because of of this the the way people have spun the covid pandemic and and so there's sort of a real world vitality to it i think and i also just think it's it's a beautiful movie telling a very american story and oh with an angle that really hasn't been done yet and i just i love all of it so much i cried more than once during this movie so yeah i think that like the family dynamics are really incredible too like the relationship between the husband and wife and like their disagreements and how the grandma being there plays into everything like that's i think my favorite general theme from the movie is just all of that felt really like authentic to a real family and there's love everywhere, but there's so much like bubbling under the surface and everything. Um, And to your point, like I think the acting and portraying all of that was really excellent. Like I think one of the people nominated that I added to the list was the woman who plays the wife who like, I didn't really see getting a lot of attention, but I think she like really held the movie down and like I, her parts were the most emotional parts to me, like her mm-hmm. relationship with her mom and figuring out how to balance that with like her husband's ego and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I very, very lovely. The boots yeah. were cute too. Cute, cute boots. Cute boots. Cute boots. Carly, cute boots. Yeah. Can you say it for me, please? Cute boots. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, can I ask a question? Yes. In your guys' minds, do Minari and Nomadland cross cancel or am I crazy? Like I I could see one of these movies being on here, but I would be it would feel really weird to have both Nomadland and Minari, I think. I don't want Nomadland on the list. Okay, me either. I do want Nomadland on the on the list, but I will accept (laughs) it not being on the list. I think Minari is a stronger movie. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um uh, I didn't Nomadland doesn't have cute boots. That's true. It has a bucket. Uh, <laughs> it has a bucket. I didn't yes. love Minari, but I agree with you guys' descriptions of it a lot. I think it, it's a strong film. It just didn't really connect with me on a personal level. But uh, I liked that it had it had this kind of predictable, I think, kind of stock story. But it had a lot of interesting uh, stuff on the side that I thought yeah. really helped the movie uh, stay interesting the whole time. And I also just, and I can't speak to this directly, but I, I wonder whether or not its portrayal of rural America in general is also sort of 
like I, I feel like I'm, I'm thinking about this and contrasting it with like hillbilly elegy and, <laughs> and sort of how Hard. this one hits its beats in a way that that just so disingenuously doesn't. Yeah. So, like as far as if we're if we're looking for portrayals of rural America and, and things like this, this feels like one that actually does something right. Right. In, doesn't hate the people it's it's not about. embarrassing exactly yeah, yeah i think like a, that's an interesting thing about like a even this family faces prejudice based on their race and like i think that's handled in a way where it's like it's not it's it's not like played for like look at these horrors it's just like the reality of it and like a I don't know. I think they balance all of that really well to make it feel real and like understand the difficulties that it puts the family through without doing like the hillbilly elegy version of like everyone who lives here is dumb sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys just won't let sleeping dogs lie, will you? We got to talk about hillbilly elegy. Can we do it again really next year? One of the worst things I have ever... Okay, anyway. Anyway, anyway, I hate that movie. That It feels like it hates the people it's about, and that yeah. it bothers me so much. Anyway, Is having anyway. contempt the same as hating? Maybe. Okay. Are we making Minari green? I say go for it. Okay. 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 Yes. Oh. Uh, when? How about I do my little spiel and then maybe we go through the list one by one and see where we're at? Okay. Or else this could go on all night. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think the support is there for All Light Everywhere, but I just want to say I thought it was extremely fascinating and well made and made me think about stuff. The Tesla tour, not the Tesla, the... the, the, the yeah, the... the taser. Yeah. Oh, taser. Yeah. Taser, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The actual name of the company, but the Taser Company. That tour felt so... So bad. I can't believe they were just like, yeah, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. We're going to let you guys see this. This is fine. Please keep the cameras on. Yeah. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was rough. And that's the one thing I don't like about the movie and... uh, other documentaries of the style where they're kind of like, I don't know how to describe it succinctly, but where it's like, you can tell that the person they're interviewing doesn't know that the camera is rolling, but they're going to keep it rolling. And it's like the movie's winking at you. Like you're not supposed to see this. And I feel like they do that a lot in that movie. And I don't care for that. Cause just like make a movie. It doesn't have to be like showing me that it's subversive or something, but yeah. Other than well, that, okay. This one, there's some stuff in it that is like stupidly indulgent. I the, like the, that though. The floating plants or whatever. I loved that. That though. was so. I don't know. I like. I think it's interesting. Sort of the point that it all of this like. <laughs> by the way, the camera was developed as a as a oh, <laughs> as a gun. Yeah, it developed, it's an adaptation of the Gatling gun, and we used it. And it really, the portable camera was really popularized for by colonialism. And yeah, and while we're at it, if you're looking at this as the solution to to police violence, let me tell you, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I thought it was interesting, sort of the way it it presented, because we always kind of 
talk about you know body cameras and stuff as sort of this object this this objective observer yeah in in you know proof so, and like an equalizer sort of in in these interactions these these less than friendly interactions between police and 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 the people they're policing and and <laughs> this movie comes out of the gate and it's like yeah, yeah no it's all all subjective they decide where the camera goes they have control over the footage and and they're not even in the footage because they're wearing the camera and it's like, yeah, yeah yeah it's like think again yeah it just it was kind of crazy that way and i like i like style i like it stylistically even though i can tell uh just like the super deadpan narration and all that stuff i just love yeah. it i i i like I the narration a lot you did or did not i did okay i really like where they're going through the they're, where they're documenting the training Yes. And it just yeah. hangs like it's just floating around and hanging on different officers in the this Baltimore precinct. It's um, so it's not a that's like outside of this being like a movie I like, I think that's valuable just documentation of something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. Also the community meeting. I love the community meeting so much. <laughs> Where the guy tells them exa- outright why both this thing they're talking about is bad and also the documentarians are bad. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is. And pigeons, uh, Michael. Pigeons. I like the little... I feel like it's probably animal cruelty, but the, the little image of the pigeon in the camera is kind of fun. Yeah, best animal. Got snubbed. I'm sorry, dude. Mm. Little camera pigeon. Yeah, we love you. It's an anyway. interesting doc. It's really, it's a really interesting yeah. documentary. I thought it was really. I think people would. I think if you were to recommend this, you'd have to probably also recommend some kind of patience with sort of the stylistic choices. Sure. But... This is art, so you know, <laughs> know that going in. But uh, you know, it's it's the guy who did the rat movie. I need to. That's a near the top of my list because that looks fascinating. Uh, I know people who really really like it, mm. but also because they think it's weird. So I like weird. do with that Dan what you Deacon. will. Dan Deacon, I'm going to make this movie red. Is that final everyone? Yeah. Okay. 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 So we have West Side Stories, y'all. Moulin Nintes, y'all. I'm going to start going down this list, and let's just get the the temperature in the room. Okay. The Green Knight. It would be on my list. Okay. Car. I don't know. Like I okay. to be quite honest with the exception of like maybe one or two the rest of these are kind of i don't see a strong argument for like any of them okay yeah i think for me seeing green knight as the first movie in theaters after after covid kind of killed everything was sort of like a moment a beautiful like like to me it was such a, a see this in theaters kind of movie it felt like an event and it's such a beautiful like thing it's such a it's cool to me that they were able to take this this story that people have probably you know people read in like english classes and stuff that that is like like okay night like knights of the round table kind of stuff is is all kind of like cliche at this point right it's all like common whatever it's just like common folklore we've done it to death kind of thing and this still felt so fresh and so 
good in the way it handled it and unique in the way it handled it. And I, I don't know. And there, and again, there were a handful of moments in this movie where I could, like, I visibly just felt it. Like it was so fist pump. Cool. Metal. So, yeah, this like was the, a very fun. Ex- I had like a similar, I came out of the theater and I was just so like excited. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to this ending up on the list, I guess. Okay, don't worry about it, Car. We're going to change the process here. Carly. <laughs> yeah. There are four slots left. Please name the four movies you would fill. Okay. Um, Power of the Dog. Cool. Benedetta. Mm-hmm. Titan mm-hmm. and Licorice Pizza. Mm-hmm. Michael. Hmm. Which four would you add to this list? Uh, Power of the Dog. Okay. Benedetta. Okay. French <laughs> French Dispatch. Okay. Pig. Okay. Well, With well. a little nod towards towards uh, Bo Burnham inside, just because it sort of feels like this very sort of like very zeitgeisty kind of thing. I we uh I have but my I, knife on the desk right here. Yeah. I will meet you in the alley after this podcast, Michael. Okay, fine. Fine. Get no 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 no. We can you don't have to count it. So. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just I just kidding. wanted to throw something out. I don't know. And as someone who and as someone who lives within a a content-driven profession, then, kind of felt it okay but that that would be my question then how is this impressive then because to me it is just reflective of all other content that's being created because i think it's just more of like a it's been it, the, it, it's sort of at a disadvantage here because i watched this in like what june july sure um the dark times the dark times i don't know it just felt like we have this guy who's this um, this immensely creative person who's whose livelihood is about creation and suddenly he's left indoors that's and, everyone though, Michael. That's, that's I know, society. but he did something with it. Somehow yeah, obviously okay. he was bankrolled to do it. He had the money to have his own little indoor <laughs> studio and stuff. And I think it does yeah. sort of touch on like as like a meta narrative uh, like metatextually sort of touches on what do you do when when your life is being out there and creating and 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 performing in front of people and suddenly you're stuck indoors and you're like you're left to stew with this stuff and obviously i think there's also some some depression and stuff at play there too so yeah that just sounds like every twitch streamer to me i guess that's that was my problem it was just like okay i have a set in my living room and i stream but what if it was a twitch stream where you made fun of white women Mm. okay um okay can phoebe bridgers maybe cover some of these songs (laughs) Uh, but actually, I just I think is like a as a like reflection of of a creative being forced indoors, and well, what do you do in that situation? What happens when your entire life is suddenly gone? Yeah. And I think gone in a way that is different from like maybe how it would have been gone for for you and me, because I think you and I were both essential workers or whatever, quote unquote, essential workers. So we were always still yeah. kind of out doing our things. Yep. So, I hear you, but uh, yeah, I did. I uh, philosophically opposed, I guess. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. I, like, I don't expect it to be on there. I'm just, I kind of yeah. want to put it out there because I do think it's yeah. like, if we're talking zeitgeist or whatever, it's yeah. it's it's got the zeitgeists. Yeah, I think there's stuff worth talking about with it, which is more than I can say for some of these movies. So, 
I get you. Uh, it's interesting, the movies that no one has picked yet. <laughs> um, such as Zola, which you guys seem to like a lot. And, yeah, I thought about having that be one of my four. Yeah. I do like Zola a lot, and like arguably it is canonical. Like, I, I don't know. Lots of chatter about the movie, about the internet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I did really like it. Like, yeah, I have no reason for that not to be on there. Okay. But you're not pick, pick, picking it necessarily. No, I guess not. Okay. Um, I like how it kind of carried that chaotic energy from social media, too. Yeah, me too. Her little like asides, the, the we're quoting the tweets and things. The the they started fucking. It was gross. Yeah, <laughs> cutaways. That was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, one two. Okay. It felt like somehow watching a a Twitter thread, which was kind of a crazy thing to do. So, what if I think Benedetta is a fun on a bun, but isn't a canonical film of twenty twenty one? well i don't know i just uh it doesn't that doesn't fit the uh vibe for me at all benedetta uh other than that we liked it hmm. i guess i'd like to see some other ones shot down before we get rid of okay benedetta. all right fair enough all right well okay well um so i'm just naming my four is what you're saying yeah i guess so um i would do french dispatch hmm Ah, uh, shoot. Um, I would go get back, even though that's just wasting a pick. Because obviously <laughs> it's not gonna, you know. Right? I would entertain a get back mm-hmm. argument. I think. I don't know. It had. It, yeah, I would entertain a get back. Okay. Argument. Well, let's see how this all pans out. Malignant. I would go. And I would go with pig. Or, oh, wait. So it seems like we have our four if we do math, but we don't necessarily have to do math. I'm guessing I guess also, I was... Michael, did you not realize, like, pick the yellow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I would bump something from... Mm-hmm. What would you bump, dude? This is the... I would probably bump my vote from Benedetta, honestly, to West Side. <gasps> okay, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I'm sorry. Okay. I liked Benedetta a lot, but if we're talking, I don't know. I just like the idea, like with, with something like West Side Story to me, it was again, some guy who, it was a guy who's good at making capital M movies, making that and doing it with this story that we've heard, like that, that that's already been sort of canonized. That's already a part of like the film canon and the musical canon. And he somehow does it and does it in a way that still makes it feel modern and fresh and new. And and it just felt like a a movie in a way that, that is good and doesn't happen as often now that we're in this weird franchise crunch Later. forever. Yeah. I do like these two movies being pitted against one another. What's that? Benedict and West Side Story. <laughs> Well, let's bypass that issue right now and maybe just lock Power of the Dog. I don't see how that doesn't yeah. end up on this list. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you want to give a sure, I want to maybe just make this informal prediction right now. Power of the Dog wins uh, Best Picture. Uh, don't look up. You think so? <laughs> um, I'm gunning for it. 
just for the chaos of it, you know? Yeah. It would be kind of fun. Yeah. I'm not I'd be so lie. sad. <laughs> you, would be... you, you would have to deal with smarmy Adam McKay the whole time. Right? <laughs> it would be funny. I, lo- I, I have a weird, maybe masochistic love of people being too serious on Twitter. Sure. Yeah. It's just kind of fun. I like watching stuff burn. Yeah. <laughs> it would melt it would melt film Twitter for at least a week. So love it. Um one, two, three. Okay, so we have three more spots. Do we Carly. want to give a spiel for Power of the Dog quick or uh I uh I forego my time? Like I, I guess I don't have all that much to say. I think it's just like a wonderfully crafted movie uh, that I enjoyed and felt it felt like grand while I was watching it. Okay, I think not only is it a well crafted movie, I just think what's interesting to me is this is obviously not the first time we've had the whole masculinity cowboys question mark kind of movie because that exists like brokeback mountain's been out forever this this is adapted from a book that's been made was made back in the 50s it's like the the idea of a of a, of a gay cowboy isn't as shocking anymore devo <laughs> i just i really love sort of how it goes about that it feels like benedict cumberbatch is sort of miscast but that's the whole point and i thought that was great i love how isolating it feels despite being set in the west which is always sort of billed as this like maybe okay maybe isolating but also as this like wide open plane that's always cruel and beautiful at the same time and here we have these mountains that close you into this janky looking victorian home Mm. um (laughs) and that feels isolating and claustrophobic in a way that westerns really don't i i i there's that banjo thing going on yeah towards like the middle where where uh kristen dunce's character is trying to to play a song on the piano and benedict cumberbatch the cowboy is up in his room and he's playing it perfectly on the banjo by ear and it just feels cruel and intimidating the way that works and i just i don't know i the more i think about power of the dog i just really love it for what it is it's sort of this like anti-western even though it's playing with sort of a palette that we already know we already kind of understand i think the way it just kind of takes that further is so cool yeah i like uh, just a couple more things like in hindsight should have had um kirsten dunst having to play the piano at the dinner party on the best scenes of the year list like such a terrifying view of like anxiety and her place in that world and i think it's extremely incredible that I loved uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in this movie. Like I was so ready to be done with Benedict Cumberbatch and for me to never like him in a movie ever again. And I thought he was like so incredible. I would love for him to win like every award. I thought he was wonderful. And, you know, that's credit to him, but it's also credit to, I think, this movie finding the right way to use him. Yeah. That's cool. Really liked it. Really good movie. Yarp. (laughs) Um, just uh i think pig should be on this list who's gonna fight me me okay 
I don't know. Um, I don't want to just like yeah. rain on people's. I like I, I, I think I'm pretty open to like artful indie movies, and this is like a, to use an expression that I learned from Love Island. Like this gave me the ick. This was like okay. Oh, they're trying to be hipster and cool, and they're trying to get in on this culture and all this stuff, and like the genuine moments rang so false to me and it felt so scattered and like it didn't feel like it actually took place in portland a lot of the time like just none of it felt authentic i guess maybe aside from little moments from nicholas cage but i don't know it just like on the whole didn't work for me i don't think it's a terrible movie but it i just like i i don't i i do not get the love for it either i guess I guess we're we're not inviting Carly to the chef fights. No chef fights. I could fight the chefs. Round one fight. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen's probably not going to be on this list. Is that fair to say, Carly? Please tell us about Dear Evan Hansen or Michael. I, just, I don't know if you. I really think that it's porcel. so bad and it's <laughs> so fun. Like I, I would totally watch this movie again. The delight every time you're like, oh my god, is Amy Adams going to sing? And then she does. And it's like, oh. what did we do to deserve? And Julianne Moore is here too. <laughs> God. What is this? The woman in the window? <laughs> yeah. It's just a bad movie that's so fun. And like, it's such an awful premise. And I think that's the other part of it is like, this story has been given so much success despite being so toxic and evil and. Mm uh bad but it got made into a broadway musical that made a ton of money and then also into a movie that i'm assuming made a decent amount of money terrible 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 stuff uh, okay. i am not really curious about the the returns on dear evan hansen what yeah, do you think too. is the more what do you think is the more cursed musical from 2021 is it dear evan hansen or is it music dear evan hansen i'm gonna say no music is like evil music and is like not a... cynical no but it's it's awful no it's it's got no, no, some no, no, no 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 <laughs> tucker Music's phillips terrible. advocate for music no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> i i don't know the way it handled things like substance abuse like even beyond just the the portrayal of autism the way it handled things like substance abuse and aids yeah was just horrible like horribly yeah. dismissive in a way horribly yeah it's coming from a place of something though you know? Music is like I think actually harmful to the world. Dear Evan Hansen is just <laughs> like harmful to art or something. Yeah, I guess I just think it's because music tried and failed, yeah. okay. whereas Dear Evan Hansen didn't. Yeah, I guess. Like I don't think Sia set out to make something that was evil. No. It just so happened it was evil. Well, she. I mean, I think she was like very personally affected by the the. Yeah. I think she meant music to be something that could help people or change lives. And I think the fact that it wasn't hurt her yeah. very much. And I don't think Dear Evan Hansen is <laughs> in that well, no, realm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, Dear Evan Hansen feels I will like point it's, out it's the more director cynical. of Dear Evan Hansen is the director and writer of, was he also the director? Definitely writer of Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is like the most uh, mm. genuine and heartfelt teen drama Sad out tweet. there. So, like, I I think okay. he was also approaching Dear Evan Hansen with that spirit. It was just 
super misguided. That's fair. I haven't seen okay. it. So yeah. was he approaching it with that, or was he approached with was he approached with this movie and then did that? I guess. Sure. Like, is is this also? I think the thing with Dear Evan Hansen is it sounds like there was a cynical cash grab angle that worked with a sincere director. I have no idea. I guess I can't say, but it is it is evil. Uh, it's also really fun and like doesn't feel harmful to the world because anyone with like any social competence or moral competence could figure out that this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, what if the last three were West Side Story, The French Dispatch and Benedetta? I would be happy with that, but That's I know the cool. pig love is there. I'm okay with the pig not being with pig not being on the. I list. think pig should be on there. Benedetta was my <laughs> olive branch, but I think pig should be on there. Okay, I'm okay. Okay, so I guess I'm also okay with. Like, it would feel weird to me for West Side Story to not be in here, but having been the only person who actually saw this movie in this yeah. podcast, like, I, I feel it feels a little disingenuous, and I don't want to be like jockeying um, for this because like it just it feels weird to me i would rather have west side story over benedetta even though i've seen benedetta just because again i don't think benedetta fits the criteria we're working with at all if we're just awarding enjoyable movies then malignant should be a lot is what i'm saying okay, okay so like let's do that like i agree that west side story should be on there should we lock in west side story okay Done. So then what do we have? That's eight. We have two left? Yeah. Okay. So. Hmm. Feeling pretty good about this West Side Story. Yeah. The... <laughs> Everybody wins with the Sprocky's canonical list of movies. I feel bad because I feel like I finagled. That's what this I, is all about, dude. It is about finagling. I mm. expressed that I would be upset at everyone if Spencer didn't make it. <laughs> okay. Let it's me, warfare. Uh, okay, so there's this, there's this chunk at the bottom. I'm going to make that all red. Is that cool? Yes. Should we say what it is? Yeah. Uh, Bo Burnham Inside, Tick Tock Boom, Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. Those are all going away. Bad Trip. Uh, Bad Trip, I think, is a wonderful movie. And it's what I needed for spiritual healing in the year of 2021, but it's fine. It's going to go away now. That's cool. Um, Zola doesn't sound like it's going to make it. No, I would say Tatan yeah. doesn't make it. Okay. Nomadland, we said, won't make it. Okay. Womp. So I guess like here's my, like... here's my, oh, sorry. Yeah. Green Knight. I like Green Knight a lot, though. I like Green Knight a lot, too. too. It's like, Here's what I don't want to happen or like the outcome I won't be happy with. And then we can maybe go. I'm going to get there. rid of like, these X's. I feel like they're distracting us from the truth. OK, OK. Go ahead. So I don't want a situation where I'll be dissatisfied, I guess, if Pig and French Dispatch are the last two. I don't think they're the last two. OK, I don't think so either. I would be fine with like one of those ending up but i don't love either okay. of them enough for it to close out the list okay i like the french dispatch more but i think pig is a more canonical choice i think it's just cool that we can have nicholas cage dirty doing things like dirty. I, I just like watching him on screen and to have him deliver probably his single one of his best performances in years Pretty nifty. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'd, I'd allow. I'm, I'll agree. Uh, like, it feels like it's an addition to the Nick Cage canon in a way that's like, yeah. Wow. Late period. Uh, Cage. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna get ready to get back. I had a, like I said, one of the best viewing experiences of my life of anything. Forget that. But I don't think that makes it canonical. I think that makes it a really awesome week where we ate food and watched television. That's very nice. Okay. I think it's cool that like it's crazy to me that that get back exists because it feels like we already have the the Beatles let it be documentary. Right. But then the the guy who directed Lord of the Rings is like, "Now wait a minute. <laughs> what if I sat in a chair for 300 hours and put this movie together for yeah. you?" Uh and it sounds that. like not more than that, it sounds like it it was actually like a fresh look at the Beatles, which Yeah. It's kind of crazy considering how just I, I can't think of a band that's more studied, more, right, more observed, documented, more. Yeah, exactly. And to right. still be able to bring something out that's like a a new like, oh. look at these guys. I think that's crazy. I think that's really cool. And I'm team Paul. So I liked all the Paul footage. Paul is not I hear the villain. Some, I hear there's some great Paul action in this and in, in, in get back. <laughs> Paul McCartney just seems like a wonderful person. I don't know. I'm sure he's not. Whatever. Celebrities are cool. <laughs> um, Carly. Uh-huh. Licorice pizza. This is such a tough one because I really, yeah. really, really, really like this movie a lot. I'm also the only one here who's seen it. And arguably, this could be made any year. Like, there's sure. nothing specific to 2021 except for the two main actors, which, like... I think is sort of canonical and you know, you have the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman and you have Alana Heim and it's like announcing both of them to the movie business and I'll just like the entire conceit of this being structured around the Heim family, even in the inspiration for Alana Heim being her mom uh, in relation to PTA is like interesting and that feels of the moment, but fundamentally it 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 feels a little bit like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I forget where that ended on our list. But like, you know, Tarantino could have made that 20 years ago in some ways, just with a yeah. different cast or whatever. So like, love the movie in most ways. Um, I don't know that it needs to end up on the list, though. Okay. I uh, I don't anticipate. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not, like, I'm not interested in it, I guess. So I don't know if that's an argument against. Uh, but like West Side Story, I was totally okay with because I am interested in West Side Story, you know? Yeah. That's not the criteria we're working with, but I just mean like if you had the super strong argument for Liquor's Pizza, I'd be like, okay, but it doesn't sound like there's a – it sounds like you love the movie a lot, but maybe it doesn't belong on the list is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I would I... agree. Oh. Sorry. No, that's it. Yeah. Okay. I think it's cool that Paul Thomas the, – the, the... I feel Paul Thomas Anderson, right? I'm not yep. going crazy. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Director of that, Resident Evil? Yeah, that was part of my confusion. Um, <laughs> that Paul Thomas Anderson can still come out here and and make what sounds like really like high-class, wonderful movie thing. Like I'm just glad that the master... Like, it's just cool to hear that the master is still sort of the master, you know? 
Oh, yeah, master. and it's fun. It's like so. I didn't see Inherent Vice, which I guess is his last movie, like in this tone. But okay, it's fun to see like the more Magnolia era come back, where like yes. it's not a stark whatever. It's like oh, let's have fun and run around yeah. and be crazy for a while. Like that's totally what this movie is, and he's maybe one of the best directors at doing that. And like the. I would say the best part of this movie, aside from Alana Heim, is like it, it's basically a compilation of really fun set pieces with actors that you enjoy. And like, that's kind of the most fun thing ever. So like, yeah, it's it's a really, really fun movie with some really heartfelt, nice moments. Um, but I can't make a good argument for it to be on the list. Okay. So, <laughs> I so love this have- pizza. We have two slots remaining, and the remaining choices are The Green Knight, The French Dispatch, Malignant, Benedetta, and Pig. So, if we're fairly out on the idea of Benedetta being canonical, which I understand the argument, I would be very amenable to either a Pig and Malignant or Pig and Green Knight situation. Hmm. What about the French Dispatch and Malignant? Yeah, that's fine. Mm. Is there a combination you wouldn't like? Just the pig and French Dispatch. Okay. I feel weird about Malignant, but that's I can. No, that's that's fair. I don't. I don't want a movie on here that you feel well. Besides, don't look up, of course. No, it's. it's, (laughs) I I don't I don't. I, I the the big hitters for me are are actually somehow on this list or some of the biggest hitters. So I don't I just it, to me, Malignant felt like James Wan just doing James Wan. Like it feels like a, a synthesis yeah. of his different things, but at the That's end of the I day, love. yeah, so like it's a bad thing, Michael. Kind of is. It's a I think at the realized... day, I want like the saw the prime saw years to come back and this feels like the closest that we're gonna yes, get to exactly. that thank yeah. you carly weird apartments yep. back alleys with steam coming out of places weird acting a city <laughs> underground bad thing like not even like arguably but like solidly bad inarguably bad things happening and like toxic things i like i can't yeah. argue that any of that is okay I, but i do love the movie Okay, so because those toxic things happening, I didn't, I couldn't mesh with. Um, and I also, it's interesting because I think Malignant almost functions as like a, a, a litmus test for your, your for, for self-hatred. What, what James Wan do you like? Do you like yeah. Fast and Furious James Wan? Yes. Saw James Wan? Yes. Aquaman James Wan? Unsure. Because um, like my <laughs> takeaway was, yeah, not country. Like my takeaway from this was, man, I kind of want him to direct another Fast and Furious movie. Yes, please. So, because it was the action stuff that got me, but yeah, and like that, like that tone shift is maybe one of the craziest out there. I just, I don't, I don't, I, know, uh, I don't feel like it's unique. Like I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, what about Green Knight and Pig? My only worry is that this, like, I, I, this list is maybe lacking some fun, which I think Benedetta or Malignant offers us. 
Don't look up. It's right there. I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> Matrix is there. Yeah, yeah. Matrix is stupid. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, there's an anime. You know what I'm saying though? Like, list, is this so... just like too blah of a list? I don't. Yeah, it's I don't kind of prestige have prestige film. I guess I don't have a beef with with malignant being there beyond. I just don't. I I don't. I guess I don't feel really strongly about it either way. Other than I don't really like a lot of it, but I also really like the parts that I really like. So that wasn't a disappointed sound. That was a me thinking sound. Sorry, Michael. I understand okay. your argument. I think Benedetta is something we can all kind of get behind. I think we should do Benedetta over Malignant. I'm cool with that. Benedetta rocks. You okay. see the Jesus with his genitals tucked away? Yeah. He's like yeah. killing snakes with a sword or something. Uh, like, Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> you I see the know. farting? We all love the farting. Yes, yes. Yeah, but there's the also like a pretty a pretty dark bit of sexual torture in this. Oh, movie. absolutely. And that. That's a Verhoeven. Yeah. We're always going to have that with him. I don't know what to do sure. about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know that, that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, I mean, there's some, well, uh, okay. Never mind. Uh, I guess fart jokes and stuff, which is great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, way into the fart jokes. The the image of carving a dildo out of a statue of the Virgin Mary awesome. is amazing. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Her literally like, okay, her fantasizing sexually about Jesus and then being yeah. like some kind of reincarnation of Jesus. Both hilarious and also actually some kind of fun filmmaking from like a, a, a we're being edgy and cool kind of thing those are my two favorite things to be michael i don't know <laughs> i uh can we lock it i locked it already but can we lock it locked okay locked. Locked Victoria jesus wins so we just need to choose between the green knight the french dispatch malignant and pig i would say malignant's probably yeah like i feel like oh. benedetta was the malignant spot okay the you could still okay i won't be personally like slighted if you put malignant on here it's kind of it's a fun movie. I just I don't. Yeah. My thing is so much of the the parts that played like a Conjuring movie. I liked them though more than didn't. the Conjuring. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a low uh, bar. I guess I, I guess understand. I really share. I guess I also kind of share your your disliking of the Conjuring movies. Um, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just it, with the exception of like the rat race sequence, and yeah, I guess the trophy knife is kind of metal in a cool so way. Cool. Yeah. Um. And also the pretty nice taste in sweaters. Yes, like, thank you. Like I wouldn't have any like strong feelings about this movie beyond if it wasn't for that that sort of insane action sequence towards the end. I guess might I posit a a theory mm. about Ooh. the James ones that I like and don't like, and maybe this can be expanded. Like. I think the reason why so much of the weird like Conjuring-esque stuff in this movie is less upsetting or boring or annoying or whatever is because like it doesn't feel like he's really trying to make us feel like this is a real person or at least that he's very unsuccessful at it, which I would generalize to like the Saw movies where it's like these are characters and like bad things are happening to them and there's some dramatic elements. But like I I don't actually care about any of these people at all. 
And I feel like that's what Malignant is. It's just like, you're giving us something just so they're like resembling an archetype of a person. But Hell it's yeah. not like The Conjuring where it's like, oh, here's family drama oh, and like the dad is dad stupid. Is yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I, I feel like that's sort of the line. It's like, I can separate all of the humans in the James Wan movies that I like as basically not people. Thank you. Yeah. I that's totally my theory agree. now. Fast and Furious, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Family. <laughs> Corona. Yeah. Uh, Brother. Yes. Uh, okay. Green Knight, French Dispatch Pig. Carly, what would be your choice? Green Knight. Michael? Uh, between these ones, Green Knight. Okay, mm. I would go French Dispatch, but I'm totally cool with Green Knight. That works <gasps> for me. Are we doing it? Yeah, let's do it. Crazy. Wow. I think all of my 2021 five stars on Letterbox just found their way into a single list. Don't look up. (laughs) Don't look up. (laughs) Uh, The super serious final list of canonical movies of 2021 are... Would someone else like to announce? No. We can all say them at once. No. Yeah. Okay, Su- okay, I can do it. Su- 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 Souvenir. Su- Michael, how about you read the list, please? <clears throat> okay, The Souvenir. Part- is it The Souvenir, souvenir I think part? it is. The Souvenir, part two. Evangelion 1.0 plus 3.0, thrice upon a time. <laughs> the Matrix Resurrections. Woo! Spencer. Woo! Don't look up where Woo! the up is underlined. <laughs> Minari. Woo! The power of the dog. <laughs> West Side Story. <laughs> Benedetta. <laughs> the Green Knight. Woo! <laughs> I feel good about it, you know? I do too. We took a bad yeah. year and we ruined for all it was worth. Except I liked a lot of movies this year. It wasn't like a bad year for me. That was fine. 2022 is looking pretty rough. We got one. No, I, that's like the thing that I've been like trying not to say to not be a little dickling. But like I already <laughs> like more movies that I sort of saw last year for this Uh-oh. year than the movies from yeah, yeah. this year. Drive my car. Drive my drive car. Drive my car. Worst person in the world. <sighs> you saw that like eight months ago. It freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, I'm about to see it again this weekend. I think okay, I good. can't wait. Part two. Yeah. I'm looking forward to both of those. Yeah, they're good. Hmm. Okay, Oscars voters. Um, <laughs> thanks for doing this, guys. A year's worth of work, and we've we've mined gold out of these hills. Mm. What do you see in those hills there? It's a dog. Dog. Woof, it's woof. a dog. Woof, woof. You saw that right away, the dog? Woof, woof. 